Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the podcast, wherever you're listening from. Join in, think differently, consider there's other ways to be. We're going deep. We're going where most people don't want to go. We're going to have some really cool conversations. If you want to get in touch, alexlouise.com. All the contact info and links are there. Jump on my Telegram group. Send us a message. Get in touch. If you want to be on the podcast, let us know. If you have something interesting to talk about, give us a shout. Enjoy the episode. We're live. Lucy Cohen. Hello. It's been a few years. It's been forever. It's too long. I'm so excited for today. I'm sorry for everyone listening, but this is literally for me today, and I hope they get benefit. <laughs> but we've been trying to kind of catch up for several years. For ages. And like you said, when we were just chatting before we started, COVID kind of took two years out as well. So I, I've got a nearly four-year-old I didn't see when I was pregnant so that's no, so it's got to be like five years yeah just insane maybe yeah so um so I'm just unbelievably excited to have you on the fact that you're super cool have a book out Wait, obviously book, yeah gents. she's an author I have a very <laughs> important person today and also long-time friend I miss our brunches we've all I kind know. of there was four of us wasn't there you and Sophie who run Mazuma and then Amy Bateman and then we all kind of spread. Life happens, man. You just end up like, yeah, everyone yeah. spreads out and that's what happens when you get old, older. Yeah, it's true, right? Because you're, <laughs> yeah. you're Swansea now. I live in Swansea now. Yeah, so I'm in Newport, so we've literally yep. gone opposite directions. Completely. Yeah, sure well, where, Amy, where does Amy live? I think she's still in Cardiff. So okay. a farm and a small holding uh, just outside of Philly. So she's oh, off like living the farm life. Like, it's got, like, a flock of sheep and some, like, four horses and stuff. So, like, that was always goals for her. Like, that was always, like, what yeah, she wanted yeah. to do. So, yeah, yeah, so she's, like, loving life there. So, yeah, it's just we were all loosely living in Cardiff, like, within about two miles of each other. And now we've just, like, <laughs> like distance, like, magnets. Gone. And it's like, ah. Oh. And then the scheduling, like, trying to actually go, let's spend a day together. And then I look at my diary and I'm just like. I tried to book in an appointment for something. Um, I think it was, like, a doctor's appointment. Something stupid. And the soonest that they could do simultaneously they could do and I could do was like in six weeks time I'm like well, this is stupid isn't it like I, and I keep trying to block time out of my diary and doing that thing of I'm going to put myself first and my own mental health first and like book things out and it's those keeping those boundaries are so hard because yeah, I want to do fun things keep happening and like interesting things keep happening I'm like oh I really want to do that thing and so then I do yeah. it I'm like oh I've got too many things now I'm doing too yeah. many things yeah so we met I want to say I was 26. I'm 42 in July. So we're getting up to knowing each other for nearly two decades, dare I say it. Oh, God, are we? Oh, my God. Yeah, I would have been. So I just started the company. So I would probably be about 23, 24. Yeah. yeah so that's about right, isn't I, it? Because I'm, I'm 40 in January. Yeah. So I, I, I think that one of the things I want to that's really interesting is a lot the people I'm having on my podcast are like, actually, I've known them for a while. And this thing of like what time does, I was talking to Sabrina, who you know, and yes. do, um, uh, deadlifting with last week. And we were talking about like how boring and unsexy what we all do actually is. And it's yeah. the time and the end results that look really sexy. But people don't really want to talk about that. They just want to go like, oh, you like, oh, you wrote a book. Oh, yeah. you've got your own business. Oh, you won these awards. That bit's it's like, really it's, sexy, right? It's like, like being a... If, 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 like being a 15 year overnight success isn't it like that's what it is yeah, yeah. like it Basically, takes so much time 
it's so boring like most yeah. of what I do on the day to day so yeah exactly what I said like oh you run a business you wrote a book and all the rest of it I'm like yeah, yeah writing a book is um laborious book, right because I, I was book. just looking for your other one I bought that and I don't know where it is because it was it was a few years ago no so yeah I, I wrote I think I wrote the millennial I wrote the millennial renaissance which is about uh, millennial finances really and this kind mm. of outdated concept so I'm a little bit obsessed with like generational discrepancies between how we view finances and yeah. the concept that we're kind of I think our generation in particular is probably the first generation it's been very missold to so we grow up we grew up with the kind of status quo that you I know go to university without tuition fees go to university you get yeah. a job you work there for 40 years you put in your pension you have your retirement you get your state pension and that's that's how you do life and somewhere and, along the lines you buy a house and that's relatively simple yeah, because houses are like, I don't know, a couple of times your income and, yeah. you know, and say, and no one wanted insane deposits and mm. all that kind of stuff. And mm. the housing market wasn't kind of this mess that we see this kind of, it was before the housing boom in, what was that, 2008, uh, 2006, 2008? Well, two, yeah, 2002 to 2007, then it all went. And then the blur, credit crunch, it didn't yeah. Really go, everyone kind of went, oh, it's gone blur, but it didn't really go blur. There was a bit of a... I'd say a minor correction on the yeah. tripling of the 1996 to 2007. Yeah. Then everyone went, oh, my God, house price has gone down 25%. It's like, yeah, but they just tripled. So but yeah, but so, so 25% actually, actually. 300 yeah. is not that big a deal. <laughs> well, it's like business growth, isn't it? Like, it's not linear. It's like, do, 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 you know, yeah. It's like, it, so, yeah. So, so yeah, so I kind, I kind of a bit obsessed with this idea of um, how we look at money and what it means, because... Yeah. Um, yeah, so we kind of grew up, I suppose, with this idea of what life would look like with money. You know, this is what you do with your money. This is you should always save money. You should mm. always have three months in the bank or whatever. I've literally never met anyone in my life who's got like three months worth of salary in the bank. Like no one. Um, like it's 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 like it's so rare because we don't because you find things to spend your money on. And do you know what? Good. Spend your money. Because, like spend it wisely, but spend it because you literally can't take it with you. I'll come on to um me being ill last year and like really kind of reinforcing that point yeah um, right but um yeah so we kind of grew up with this idea and like millennials so I'm an elder millennial sort of born in 83 so kind of I think 81 is like the kind of the last of the millennials like the last so I'm millennials. a horrible generation before that right so oh, I'm you're good. you're the you're like the the gap in between aren't you you're like like weird yeah. were you 81 or you 80 80 80 oh so 80. you're just oh, you're just outside that cusp um yeah. so um yeah, and it's just like I started looking at this, and I started looking at this. There's this kind of um, everyone loves labeling stuff, so millennials, boomers, all this kind of stuff. Mm. And on one hand, maybe it's not particularly useful, but on another hand, it is quite useful to kind of frame to frame. I think it's a good I'm... start. I think labeling's a good start, but if you get stuck in labeling, yeah. game over. Because yeah. then everyone just it is that way, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's when it labeling just collapses. But uh, it's a it's a good start to go. Well, what's the what so of right now? Yeah, and it's a really good way to frame a collective experience of a set of people. So to give yeah. that a, a group label, it's a really good way to frame that, and and people can find things in common, and then you can kind of, mm. you know, I love, you know, I love a bit of data. You can you can get a data yeah. set off a group so just of collective wanna, people. Just for those, just for those who don't know you, you're effectively so you and Sophie built a brilliant accountancy firm, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. your background is accounting, math, yeah. figures, mm -hmm. and Numbers. that's what you're passionate about. So the other the other thing to, to I think share so that for people who don't know you is you built a business on something that you love, and you also disrupted that that whole old school. I mean, I remember meeting you guys in BNI, which was where we met the networking event, and it was that whole 
you don't look like accountants. Yeah. You don't sound like accountants. You want stuff in an envelope monthly? What's that all about? So for those who don't know you and what you do, you are an accountant, but you're not your average accountant and you've seriously disrupted that. And that's where your passion comes from. So that's when people are listening to you, that's where you're speaking from, right? You're, you're not just going, oh, I think this is like, you've got a whole background in business, money, accounting, yeah. building a successful business and all of that. So sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, thank you. It's probably worth pointing context. out my quality qualifications for talking about this yeah. I'm not yeah, just like, some you random know, you picked you know up on the shit. street you know what yeah. you're talking about <laughs> um yeah so yeah so Sophie and I started uh, again to disrupt accounting and in fact the, you know again labeling the first mm. business advisor we ever saw told us that we, we couldn't do it there was a terrible idea and you shouldn't try to rebrand accounting and in fact since we existed before cloud accounting so the way that we were working put it in envelopes send it to every, every month we've gone on now We've developed their own technology, so we're now kind of shifting into that kind of fintech space. Still, the end offerings the same, but we've been yeah. developing all our own technology. And again, I just don't like that label. If you're an accountant, this is what you do. I like you know what accountants do at their core is provide um, advice and support to small businesses. How I how we decided to kind of slice that up and do it looks different to your standard, but that's fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just kind of on the money thing. So um, yeah, so the millennials and the old way of doing stuff. Yeah, I just, I just kind of so that was what the first book was about, and it was about mm. kind of look, you know, do you want a retirement? Is that yeah? Is that what? You, what what does reti- what does that mean? What does that actually mean? There's people like oh, I want to retire by the time I'm forty or whatever else. Does that mean you're never going to do anything again? Does that mean you're mm. only going to like go and play golf or only go hiking? Like, what does that actually look like? Or mm. do you just mean you don't want to do something anymore that doesn't make you happy in order to swap it for money. And that's the difference, yeah. I think. So when yeah. I came on to, um, I actually started writing Forget the First Million um, in April uh, 2019. I mm-hmm. started kind of like, um, yes, yeah, I was looking for the Instagram post where I'd said like accountability, I'm putting it here and then didn't do anything with it for ages. Um, <laughs> so that didn't work. Um, but uh yeah, I started writing it then again with this concept of when you and I started businesses and I've spoken about this before, but like things like Dragon's Den were like super popular and everyone was like, you know, get some, get get the expert into your business, sell some shares, super growth, like 20x, all this stuff, like rah, rah, rah. And yeah. it, like loads of people like massively bought into that, myself kind of included. I was in my early 20s. And I was like, yeah, I want to like do this and I want to have this in my bank account and all the rest of it. And then as I kind of like, as you grow a business and it's not linear, like you go woo and then you go, and then you go woo yeah. and then you go, oh, that for a and bit. It like, takes way it. longer. I think the theme for me is it takes way longer than people, you know, coaching people now in my mission mastermind and they're building businesses. It's like, have some patience. Yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. It takes, a, yeah. it takes a bloody long time to do anything of, of consistent value like yeah. you, can, you can get lucky and yeah. suddenly have a hit and that's fine but don't expect that just because that one thing happened once is going to keep happening like mm. that's where the wisdom and the coaching comes in is like yeah it's amazing mm. you had this like hit but actually you know sustainability <laughs> yeah you can't keep doing that um so mm. um yeah I kind of got into this idea of like and it kind of happened with we were looking at like Sophie and I were looking at like what you we've been running the business 16 years now what do we, mm. what do we want our lives to look like what do we want mm. to achieve at the end of it um mm. if we never exited in the traditional sense what does that look like do we um you know, do we keep you know, say chairing but not have an involvement and it was just about kind of what that means I started kind of analyzing what I thought about money and I come from a 
backgrounds all my family are kind of creative so they're all like actors and dancers and musicians so starving artists like there was not a lot of money around when I was a kid so it became yeah. quite important to me and it became yeah. important to me kind of looking at it not because I like money but I like the freedom it offers you so yeah that's the thing and obviously you're a podcast called financial freedom so very much on brand there um it's about like it's about working it in a way that gives you the things you want in life and I think when people say like are you people are like it's that fun thought experiment in like oh if I won the lottery I'd or if I had a million pounds yeah. tomorrow I'd and actually yeah. the things they do aren't I'd um you I'd have Jay-Z around for dinner every night or I'd have Rihanna play my birthday party they don't say those things they say things like I'd like make sure my family had enough money and I'd pay yeah. off my mortgage and I'd go on holiday three times a year and those are really normal things that you can achieve without having to have without winning a lottery yeah yeah so it just started I started thinking about that and and especially in the business sense because that that money piece most people don't run businesses just to make money you can't because mm. it'll kill you like it'll just kill mm. your soul um and we all know people who do things only for money I think they're a type of person that most of us probably don't really like that that much because there's, well, there's such a tiny percentage tiny percentage but they but loud and a lot of people see them because of the results. Yeah. But they're not. They're yeah, not normal. Alcoholics, usually their personal lives are a shit show. Miserable. All they do is work. And they're, they're usually just... pretty unhappy because they're trying yeah. to fill the void with money and there's no money in the world that'll fill it. Just like there's no heroin in the world that'll fill a void or alcohol or sugar. Or, or food or whatever else. Yeah, because yeah. they're ultimately something's missing. And yeah, yeah so it, it, so the, the book, I called it Forget the First Million because like when I make my first million, I'm like, right, forget the first million. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what do you want your life to look like do you want to do you want to work 12 hours a day is that what gives you joy cool do that do you want to work a four-hour working week and then spend the rest of your time I know knitting yogurt or whatever you love doing do that like yeah um but build it in a way that kind of works for you and don't have this kind of hang up on first of all I don't know many retired people who don't do something like they've I'm all retired, got but I've never worked harder like like they, they don't do something you know yeah. they, they've got a thing to do so that is work but the difference is we only define work as things that we swap for money and that's not true mm. unpaid labor is mm. labor um non-paid yeah. work is work so let's like mm. reframe that concept of what we do for money versus what we do to fulfill our lives um mm. if the two mm. things happen to like collide brilliant um but if not yeah. doesn't matter um because yeah. you can work it yeah so it's kind of it's around that really and it's around and then mm. some practical things as a business owner you know just like stuff like you know, get your cash flow in order make, make sure you're billing people properly don't I forget love it for that don't because there was like people. some practical there's some practical in here like do this do this have you thought about that you talk about therapy you talk yep. about like taking an inventory of yourself it's actually practical advice it's not just like oh you know this is how it's like go and do this yeah Go and like yeah. go go and take an interview yourself. Go and you know list mm. out your uh, top suppliers and you know mm. figure out you know go and list out all the things you spend money on. Do you need them all? Have you got like direct debits? Because we've all got them. Things we signed up for mm. as a trial and forgot about, and they cost five pound, but ultimately oh, they yeah. all add up. Mm. Oh, I just, so I because I'm, I'm such a like you know I'm like oh new shiny bit of technology. I like sign up for the trial, completely forget about it. I'm like why am I paying twelve ninety nine for this thing? What's that? Oh yeah, it's that. Like I have to literally every eight weeks i have to go to my banking i'm not using that and, and my apple um subscriptions like i'm not using that i'm not using that i'm not using yeah. that just like clear them out because i like 
I'm like, I really saw, I'm like, oh, this is going to change my life. Brilliant idea. Sign up for this, like, reading app or something. I never use it. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to, like, check myself. And those are all things in the book. They're all things I do. So they're all mm. things that I, like, keep on top of myself. Um, yeah. yeah, especially the boundaries bit. Yeah, yeah. Massive, right? And, and, and enforcing boundaries. I think oh. that's the biggest thing I probably talk to my clients about, whether it's money, relationships, their business, their employees, walking the bloody dog, their kids. It's like, yeah, there's boundaries. And then there's, are you going to hold them up? Are you going to enforce them? Are yeah. you going to, yeah. And, it, and, and, and it's really hard to do because actually, I think we're, a lot of us are taught not to enforce boundaries. We're taught yeah. that our time is the least important time against everybody mm -hmm. else's, whether that's, and, and again, it comes down to this kind of cultural, societal expectation, this kind of idea that children are supposed to look after their parents or grandparents and, and mm. this kind of generational kind of trade off of, well, I gave you life, so you should look after me. Or like, did I did I consent to that? I don't like I don't remember that being part of my conversation, but there we are. Um, or there's like, yeah. And so like it goes the other way like as, a, as I don't have kids but as a parent you make the decision to bring a life into the world so you've chosen to offer that support and you mm. you hopefully raise a functioning adult and then you have that adult adult transactional analysis relationship you don't mm. have parent child forever it doesn't go like that forever you become adult. well it, it, it I'm gonna say it doesn't have to go like that unfortunately no. mainly in society most people when they go home when they're adults to their parents home it is parent-child. They regress massively. They totally regress. And actually, one of the biggest things I think that is, if we all had in society this aim that once we're 18, we're now responsible for ourselves. Yep. And actually did that adult-adult transactional, yep. you know, like that. Oh, my God, the world. We'd probably have world peace. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's a and massive it's, thing. It's a huge thing. I think it goes both ways because I see, I see parents who go into, as soon as a, a, ch oh, yeah. a child, a 34-year-old child, picking up the laundry yeah. and actually I was just saying to you off camera um my husband and I moved in with his parents for three months while we house work on our house then and I wasn't worried about this at all I get on really well with his his mm. parents we have a very adult relationship like mm. they're nice people I've got friends their age like I'd hang out yeah. I'd, like you're like me you've got friends of all ages I'd yeah, hang yeah out same. With them. I'm the same with all our parents we've got yeah. I've got multiple bonus parents because of our both our parents are divorced so there's four yeah. sets of grandparents for our kids and yeah, yeah, I'd hang out with them anyway. Exactly. Like they're cool people. I'd have colleagues yeah. that age, like, you know. Um, so I, I didn't have any issue. But I think my husband was a little bit like and he's he's a grown up, he's a more of a grown up than me, but he's a grown up. Um <laughs> and I think he was a little bit worried about whether he'd like sort of regress or not, but he didn't. I was like, that's so nice to see. And in fact, yeah. when it came to like just domestic stuff when we were there, like not that I cook, he's he cooks. But like he'd do the cooking like a few nights a week and he'd, we didn't go into the house and expect his mum would do everything or his dad would do everything. We, yeah. It was all it was all very adult. And that made me really mm. happy. And I was kind of like, this is what it should be like. This yeah, it's is like how this made, go. You, know, you know, you've made it when you can be like that with your parents and with your partner's parents. Yeah. Right? Like, like, like anyone listening to this is going, oh, my God, that's so not me. It's like do the work because it's the most freeing thing ever. Go to, to therapy. Parent child. Yeah. <laughs> And lack of expectation, like stop expecting people to do stuff for you. Yeah. Like it's lovely when they do. Like it's yeah. really, really nice when people do stuff for you, but you can't expect it because when you get when you have that when you set an expectation that nobody else has signed up to, like you've just made it up in your head. Because most of our expectations we've just randomly made up in our heads. Yeah. Like no one said no one's ever gone to you, by the way, darling, I know I birthed you. This is what you can expect from me for the rest of your life. They've not done that. They've never told you. But you've, we've made it up from from 
from society, from culture, from osmosis, from films, from everything we consume, we've got this yeah. kind of concept that this is how things should go. How things should be. Yeah. And that's just rubbish, isn't it? If anything in the last two years has taught us, there is no way things should be. It's yeah. There are the way things are and the way things we can work towards getting them, but there's no way things should be. With, yeah. I suppose, some caveats like, People should be nice to each other. People should be respectful and all that kind of stuff. But again, you can't expect it from people. You can't yeah. walk around life expecting everyone to be nice to you. Like they're not. And you just you get to choose how you respond to that. Like that's your choice. Mm. Yeah. So um, yeah, we kind of this and and it and it really seeps into money. It really seeps into mm. how we play with money. If you've had parents that have always, I know so many people whose parents have always bailed them out. Like there is mm. nothing wrong if you come unstuck asking for help at some point that's a very adult thing to do to go yeah. I've come unstuck this is what I need this is where I need help this is my plan to deal with it mm. are you able to help me this is are how I'll pay you back this what do you I'll like you interest back? rate are my two favorite things to add into that and then it's like clean it's like lending from a bank exactly and yeah I've had that conversation a few times over my life and it's me always too. yeah it's always like set out but yeah. I know people who have or get themselves into trouble and yeah. then just expect someone to bail them out. So I'm like, yeah. well, what happens when banker mum and dad stops? Or what happens mm. if you don't have a banker mum and dad? Like, how are you gonna, mm. how are you gonna cope out there? Like, if things go mm. wrong. So yeah, it's I suppose it's into like it's it's a combination. The book's a kind of combination of my rambling thoughts on that, I suppose, but also some practical stuff. Like, especially if you're running a business, because you get if you're running a business you're pulled in so many different directions your mm. ceo your cleaner your uh, receptionist your yeah. um marketing manager you're all these things and to mm. all people and you forget mm. to put yourself first and mm. um do you know what i like the best one of the th- piece of advice that stuck with me the most with like robert kaisaki when he mm. I, in rich dad poor dad when he says pay yourself first yeah i read yeah. that really early on in my business journey and it just always stuck with me because it's so true if you don't pay yourself first you'll fall to the bottom of the list and you'll end up with the dregs whereas yeah, if, you some, yeah. if you pay yourself first actually somehow you'll make payroll for everyone else it just mm. works um yeah so yeah um it's just about that really and about kind of some practical steps to make running a business a a bit more fun because <laughs> it should be fun you should enjoy it uh, yeah I I really agree with that and I think there's also there's a whole world of balance you know like it's going to be hard work and it's fun so yeah. actually you know do it yeah. like enjoy it suck up all of it you know the shit yeah. the good the bad the ugly the whole yeah. world of it so what like do you say what what's your thoughts on the housing market what it's like for younger people today I can't believe mm. I'm saying that I, I'm getting old, clearly. We're old. Saying. We're old. The, the youngsters, hills. the youngsters, Lucy. What do they do now with the property they're all, market? They're all, they're, all, they're all there, just being influenced on TikTok. Like that's that's what they do now. These kids on the, <laughs> on the TikToks. That's what they're up to. Yeah, I was foraying on TikTok the other day. I was like, oh, is this something I need to consider? Should I be doing this? Do I stay? Oh. With, is YouTube on its way out? Is TikTok? All of that. Well, I'm just like, oh my god, I can't. There's a lot in it. There's just a lot. It's a lot. Like I never got into Snapchat, and I read like it's the biggest. Um, it's the biggest like social media giant Snapchat, and like it just passed me by entirely. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. Yeah, I just miss Snapchat it. entirely. But I'm very much a voyeur on TikTok. Like I just watch. I just like watching people. But I'm on like I'm on cooking TikTok and um yeah. and home organizing TikTok. I don't think I'm on cool TikTok. <laughs> I think yeah, I'm yeah, on yeah, like yeah. I'm not like but watching way, people do dances. That's kind of magic about it. I mean, and I got interested in it because Gary Vaynerchuk was talking about yeah. it. Yeah. 
about how it is that you can have cooking TikTok and you can have multi-generational and you know like Facebook yeah. none of the kids are on Facebook because no. their parents are on it and yeah. they're like no Ugh, on TikTok he was talking about how you know if a kid sees something they think their parent will be into they'll share it with them and yeah. there's, there's a whole world where it's you know all of that yeah. world it's like I, oh, I read okay. a statistic that that um TikTok is searched more than either Google or YouTube for like advice videos for like how to do stuff like TikTok is yeah. now the go-to like beauty influencers DIY all yeah. that stuff um I was yeah. like oh that's really interesting but yeah I, I think it's an it's a very interesting platform I love watching it and um do yeah. you post anything on there do you do do you do no any... like I said I'm very much a voyeur at the moment but it yeah. is on my list of things to do this year in that I will start playing with it um mm. and start and I had a couple of ideas of what I might do on there um I thought mm. thought of one idea I might do which is if anyone starts doing this I did it first so I like yeah I'm, you saw this, it here first folks this is, this is accountability <laughs> I'm gonna have to do this like today otherwise someone's gonna get yeah. it for me um but I was like I've read some there are some great business books out there but there are some absolutely horrible business books as well with like terrible advice or completely unattainable advice like written by like yeah. people who had billionaire parents so like was it um you know kim kardashian kim kardashian like lover or hater whatever else she got absolutely berated for saying recently like women just have, like women just have to work harder to get to, to get to where they are i'm like that's really easy to say when you've had significant advantages in your start like we're not all coming from the same start point here like that that's a huge conversation that's not had right about like dealing with i think i, I did a thought of the week on this a few weeks ago about deal with where you're starting from yeah we're that, not all coming from the same exactly place. That. It's like if you're starting with nothing and your parents don't even own their own house and you don't have a job. Your options are that... more limited than Kim Kardashian. Yeah. 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 Even, even down even down to things like um, so one of the reasons I didn't go to university, so I didn't go to university, I did all my training whilst I worked, was because I'd originally uh, was going to do go and do a degree in drama, which is a I mean, seeing me talk is probably not that surprising, but um, it's a million <laughs> miles away from where I ended up in my career. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm quite a diva. So, yeah, it sort of makes sense. But um, yeah. I I was the first year that I would have had to pay tuition fees. So I think I was the first year that that kind of applied to. My, mm. I would have had to have taken the maximum amount of loans because my parents mm. couldn't have supported me through university because we grew up in a world where saving for your kids to go to university wasn't a thing. So it got yeah, thrown no in. No one expected you to go, so why bother? Or people expect the university to be free, like it was for our parents. You know, university, mm. you didn't have to pay tuition mm. fees back then. You got grants. Um, yeah. And that that culture completely disappeared in about two years when I was in sixth mm. form. So mm. suddenly there was no pot for... It makes me laugh when people have like a pot for their kids to get married, but no pot for university. That that's, <laughs> I came in that place. That was where like, you know, although yeah. we didn't have that either. But... You know, pay, so I'd have had to take them. If there was a pot, it would have been for getting married, not yeah, for if there was a, right? If there was a pot, it wouldn't have been for a house, but it would have been for like, like marrying me off to some dude. Um, but um, yeah, so he came from, um, you know, there was no, there was no like, here's the college fund um, or anything mm. else like that. And it just taking on a bunch of debt when I didn't know what my earning potential would be at the end of it. And I, again, I talk about this in my first book. Take What's the cost benefit analysis of university really, you know? Taking it's on a load of debt these days on a scale have, that's well. Look at the interest rates. Just going to pursue loans. Yeah. You want to be paying seven percent? You could literally get a bank loan for less now. That's that's ridiculous. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. Um, 
so and, and that's you know that level of interest rate is excluding a whole set of people from university it's it's a preventative measure it's stopping people accessing further education you know mm-hmm. yes there is an argument that you need to do a cost benefit analysis for university because it didn't work out for me i was like well i'm taking on a bunch of debts i don't really know what i want to like i don't know what am i going to do with a drama degree um mm-hmm. and um and i didn't feel comfortable again coming from a the views of debt and what that means came from a place where debt was bad my dad used to call his credit card the never never um so i'll I'll stick it on the stick it on the never never um Mm. so kind of this concept of debt was terrifying and Mm. uh just decided not to go so there was i can't remember why i started talking about university but anyway so did all my training so yeah taking on all this debt just didn't seem like it didn't seem like a brilliant idea um, where, where, how did I get to university? Where did this come from? We were so we were talking about what a kids. How did we started off with where? Like, how do we deal with what kids are doing today? Housing so like market. What, housing market. Kids today. What do you say about that? All of that world. Yeah. And there's that whole world. Like, university is just for me anyway. The thing that I say to people is like, is there a reason to go to university, or are you just going because that's what people do? Because the number of exactly. people I know with degrees that they don't use and like 40 grand's worth of debt i'm like oh exactly it's cost benefit analysis and people don't do it right they don't think about it like that i also think that we're asking life is long right (laughs) and we're asking people to decide upon a vocation when they're 18 (laughs) 18 like i was an idiot that's that's um and yes there are things that take longer to train out so medicine dentistry things like that and it, and some people have a calling some people have a real passion for what they do and yeah, they, they want to do that they do. and they know and that's and that and they're they're aligned with it they're academic or whatever else and yeah great that's the path mm. for them that's what they should be doing yeah. if you're just going to university because you did you know three a levels and you and you don't really know what to go and do next if you don't really know what to go and do next go get a job somewhere and figure out what you mm. like doing all day do you love sitting yeah. in an office for eight hours? Do you love working on a construction site? Do you like knocking doors, selling things? Like, what do you love doing? Go and do some yeah. horrible jobs. And actually, it's probably more beneficial. Figure out what you really don't want to do. So I worked <laughs> in um, I worked in film and TV. I'm a massive blagger. I managed to blag my way into working on uh, films for a couple of years before. Um, so I took a gap year. I managed to blag my way into working uh, on films. Did it for eighteen months and realised I hated it absolutely yeah. hated it because imagine looked, though you've gone to uni to do it because you thought and i had I all that cool. debt i had like 30 grand of debt and then i do my first like film when it's terrible everyone's rude to you um you, you have to work with big i had to work with people who are bigger divas than myself and i wasn't famous so i couldn't be a diva um and you spend 12 hours a day stood around in wet fields and i was like i don't want to do this for the rest of my life yeah. this looks terrible like this, mm. this is there's got to be easier ways to make money um yeah so I ran a business, obviously. That was easy. Um, but, you know, it was <laughs> <laughs> definitely easier. Uh, drier. Like, I get to be inside most drier, of the time. Drier, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of... Um, I think you have to do that cost... If, you, if anyone young is listening to this, like, you, oh, they've got kids, you've got to do that cost-benefit analysis because mm. what is... It's two years, isn't it? Like, go and work. Go and do some horrible jobs. Go and figure out what you hate doing. Go and figure out what... Mm. Again, going back to, like, forget the first million financial freedom what do you want your day to look like and Mm. we've all had this kind of I think we've all been able to assess that a lot more over the last two years with kind of enforced Mm. the lockdowns and things like that Mm. what what's really important to you is yeah like when everything's taken away and the possibility of everything's taken away 
what still sticks and what do you go back to two years yeah. later? It's, yeah. In that sense, COVID has been epic from a beneficial way. It's tragic, been a, but super tragic, but beneficial. a kind of like, you know, collective, you know, collective therapy. Mm. Everyone kind of accelerated mm. through probably about six years of expensive therapy to figure out what they really wanted. You do the thought <laughs> experiments. If everything was taken away from you, what do you still keep? Well, it was. So, yeah. and it, for some people, yeah. their health, you know, it, their health got mm. taken away and you really start, um, yeah, you really mm. stop questioning like what do you really want and mm. yeah, it's, it's it, and that's if we're talking about like teaching we don't teach kids about money why don't we teach kids about money um mm. we're like if we're tweaking, talking about money because money and lifestyle are implicitly linked uh, because mm. the, the society we live in that's the that's mm. the bargaining chip that's how you, you get mm. the things you want with the money thing that's how you do mm. it and until we all go back to living in communes and exchanging leaves that's what we're going to keep doing um mm. so mm. to get that freedom you've got to play the game a little bit. You've got to at least understand the game, but mm. yeah, figure out, do you need, because let's face it, if you've got a job, no matter how much money you earn, you will spend all of it. 100%. Always. Always. Yeah. And, and it's Always. in the in the best way to, I like saying to people, because they go, oh no, no, that's not true. I go, how many pay that's rises right. have you had? And have you got any more money? And they're like, yeah. Oh, You're no, not earning the same money you earned when you started your career and yet you still got an overdraft. Still don't have money. any money. <laughs> We, yeah. and, and that's what we do. So, and that's, a, that's, that's the point, isn't it? Like we keep upgrading our lives. And what we're yeah. saying isn't that I want to have a million pound in the bank because that's ultimately completely meaningless. You can have a million pound in the bank and live like a pauper and never spend it. So yeah. that money is completely pointless. The point of it yeah. is that it gives you choice, options and freedom to do things. And that's yeah. kind of, I think that, that's, the, that's a balancing act, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on the property market prices? Like, I'm not a property aficionado. Um, yeah, I own a house. Sure, no, got, from, a, from a yeah, from your from side a of things, point of view, I yeah. So I've got I've, I own a house. I've got a little Airbnb in Cardiff. Um, so yes, of um, course, I forgot about all of that. Little Airbnb. With, um, igloo, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a little Airbnb in Cardiff, which is which is lovely to have. Um, mm. I think that. I mean, obviously, you're the expert here. But I think that there's there's kind of maybe two ways to, to sort of look at property. Property is, for me, it's two things. It's mm. the first, first of all, property and where I live is my home. So for me, my home is not a money-making exercise. My mm. home is somewhere that I've, I, I spoke to you again off camera. I'm super environment sensitive. So like my environment has to be kind of, I know when there's things out of place. Like my environment has to be, I nest. As soon as I get in anywhere new, I'm like, paint mm. it, change it, like make it all mm. how I want it. Um, mm. So my home is my home and it costs mm. money and I have a mortgage or whatever else. And that's that. Mm. That's kind of like in its box on its own. Um, mm. I think there's opportunities with property um, to provide home housing and spaces for other people. And that's interesting. Mm. And you can do that by making investments. Um, and mm. that's something different in terms of getting onto the ladder. Um, mm. I think this kind of idea of you have a salary the bank will lend you you save up 10 percent. the bank will lend you three times your salary and then you're going to get a house it's 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 unrealistic for most people across the uk mm. when you look at the average house price and you look at the mm. average salary going down that traditional route of property ownership probably mm. isn't there for a lot of people but it doesn't mean as we said before like labeling stuff it doesn't mean mm. you can't do it you've just got to be a bit more creative you've got to like mm pitch in with other people or um mm. buy different sorts of properties um mm. in, uh, and then work it in a different way um but I, yeah i do think that for if you're going and this is where this kind of idea of 
I'm I wouldn't advocate anybody to go down the route of go to high go to high school, go to university, get a mm. job, work in that job forever, own a house, mm. and that's it. Because actually, mm. that route probably won't give you what you need if you've got kind of ambitions of financial freedom. It'll give you that traditional mm. route. But you look mm. at all the times over the decades that people have been screwed by that endowment mortgages or financial products that have not oh, worked. Yeah. You're you're, yeah, you're retiring at the wrong time, yeah. so the pension pot isn't the right size. You're it's still there's still a risk there. You're you're yeah. literally you're com- and also if it doesn't if life doesn't work out how you think it's going to, there's a massive privileged assumption there that you're going to make it to 65, that nothing bad's going to happen that's going to sap away your savings or sap away, or that you're not going to have to remortgage because something terrible happens in your personal life and you need the cash there. Mm. So um, mm. that assumption that life is going to be that kind of beige um, and then you're going mm. to end up with a kind of predictable end result, mm. I don't think serves anybody. I think mm. for kids getting on the property ladder now, they probably need to be a bit more inventive if they want to do if they want to kind of buy somewhere and it might mean that the first property they buy isn't a the house they live in it might be that it's something else that kind of serves them for a time until they can move to the next stage the lads are still there you've just got to kind of access it differently i think um yeah i feel like yeah, i'm lucky i bought when i did yeah and i think i think it's you know it's interesting as well i'm a bit of a hard ass when it comes to that and you know it's, everything's nuanced right i'm like you need to bloody move to where you can afford it and i oh, can yeah. say that because that's what yeah. i did right i yeah, moved yeah. to tom revel and no one yeah. wanted to live in tom revel everyone was you know living in cardiff bay and yeah you know all of that world so yeah. I, I kind of have like, like i've earned the right to say to people yeah fucking move to somewhere where you can afford it and i'm also aware that people are like no but all of my everything, you know, if you're in Bristol or London or Bath or yep. pretty much anywhere in England, probably south yeah. of England, and that's where your life is. Yeah, I guess that's really hard. So that was a very eloquent way of kind of saying it, or actually buy something. You know, like what my groups do—they they're actually focusing on rentals. They're not focusing yep. on buying main residences. I didn't no. buy my own. You know, I'm I'm in a main residence now at 42, but actually for decades prior, I was buying houses. I wasn't living in any of them. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a way of accessing it. So if you are, if, if the money you're earning in your job isn't going to be allowing you to save up the mm. deposit, you need, and let's face it. So just in the area we live, um, we looked, telling we did a, a big refurb and um, mm. we looked at moving because we're like, we want the kind of open living space. And this, this is quite a big house, but I, again, I moved to Swansea where house prices aren't as high as they were in Cardiff apart from now because again the property market's going to change because people can yeah. now work from anywhere so we mm. are noticing and the job market is changing as well so mm. first of all i'm finding it very hard to hire developers at the moment because we've got people coming and living in swansea with who are keeping their london salaries and are trying to ask mm. like 70 grand for what was previously a 45 grand job down here so that london bubble is yeah. spreading yeah. maybe ha- maybe house prices in london will go down but they're going to go up everywhere else yeah um we're finding in swansea that um house pri- house prices are just skyrocketing so i live in a great little location moved here before everyone realized that everything was very cardiff centric but swansea's had a bunch of investment put into it mm. um loads huge going on. Money. huge yeah and i sit on mm. the um economic strategy board for the city bay deal so i'm seeing all this mm. kind of stuff happening and mm. there's this you know, house prices have gone up since i since i moved here and then post covid people are moving i live a five minute walk from the seafront and I live on mm. the back of a gigantic park and I've got mm. a little village around the corner which has got like a shop and a bakery and a hairdresser and a coffee shop yeah. and a little wine bar in it you know and yeah I bought this house for like 289 six years ago and yeah. it's like the houses 
two miles either way. No one on my road moves, so there's no like comparable house prices, but two miles either way, mm. 150, 200 grand more. And yeah. just in, uh, because people are coming out of London and going, I can do mm. my job from anywhere on my laptop. I prove that now. They need mm. me more than I need them. I'm off to go yeah. and live in the countryside. So people are, mm-hmm. so I think that's going to change well. And it's a case of putting a bit of time in to figure out like, how can I do this? Like, let's be creative here. Like, let's be a bit creative. Um, or mm-hmm. uh, investing in something else and something differently and going, I'm going to rent and I'm going to be cool with renting and I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. invest my money elsewhere and make money elsewhere. And that's fine as well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. In Europe, rental is much, is a much bigger thing than it is kind of, yeah. as, a, as, as a life, Germany, France, um, yeah. is a lifelong thing and people just rent forever and I'm sure yeah. that they their happiness indexes are higher than ours anyway so they must be <laughs> right something they're not missing something, yeah. something works yeah. yeah yeah and um so what so what do you so what do you do and obviously tell me to mind my own business you got like what do you do from an investment point of view or pension point of view what's your personal strategy you don't, obviously you don't have to tell us the, the figures but like yeah how so, do you um, how do you do it what's your plan or is it or is the business the plan what's fingers, the fingers in a lot of pies so yeah. um okay. i have um a little airbnb and i'm hoping to add another couple into that over the next couple of years i like mm. them i like the rent to rent thing um it's easy mm. it's cute um mm. yeah i like it everyone then, wins right they're everyone brilliant wins. everyone does what they're good at everyone wins i I like i always say in airbnbs like i love saying in like Mm. interesting properties like i've stayed in some great Mm. ones over the years um and and if you're traveling it's a great way to get places in a not in a non-traditional way it's a brilliant way of they were very you know i love a bit disruption they're a very disruptive industry in terms of hotels yeah (laughs) i love i do love as well though because everyone like hotels are dead i'm like hotels aren't dead because hotels are a few things that airbnb if i'm traveling on my own I'm doing like one night somewhere. I'll stay in a hotel because yeah. I need to get somewhere. I need to eat. I need to like all the rest of it. I can't be faffing around with key changeover and stuff. Like hotels offer yeah. convenience, but you pay a premium for that. If you want to go mm. and visit somewhere interesting, Airbnb is fantastic. So I love it as a model mm. anyway. So I've got one mm. of those. Um, I've got, a, I want to add a couple more into that. I have a traditional mm. pension. So I have a financial advisor and I con- contribute to like a traditional pension. I've been doing that for about 10 years now. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I'm my own employer, so I don't have any of that kind of employee-employer contribution stuff going on. So, And there are some companies mm-hmm. out there that still offer great pension schemes for staff. And if you have the option of it, I'm like, you may as well put something in there. Like, they're putting in 10%. You may as well. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah. It's like a no-brainer. <laughs> absolutely. If they're saying you do six, I'll do 10, I'm like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Do it. Just put the money in. You, it comes out mm-hmm. your payslip. You're not going to notice it. Do it as soon as you start there. You won't even notice the difference. As you said, you always spend all the money you have anyway, so you may as well stick it in there. Um, and it's in just, the realm of pay yourself first, isn't it? Actually putting absolutely. that money into your pension is paying yourself first. It is. It is. You get a tax mm-hmm. break on it, and yeah, you may mm-hmm. as well, especially if you've got an employer contributing as well. I don't have mm-hmm. that, but um, I still mm-hmm. can contribute in that. Um, I have a barn uh, project in France. Oh yes. So is, how's that going? Oh, terribly. Because financing <laughs> is really tricky, right? For that now. Thanks to Brexit. Um, yeah, I had a mortgage uh, that was going through on it, and literally on the first of January, my the mortgage company rang me and like they pulled all the funding from UK residents mortgaging in in Europe. Yeah, but. I've not lost hope. Obviously, then COVID happened. So it's kind of, it's mm. like, it's secure. It's got a roof and foundations and windows and doors. It just hasn't got any in, anything inside it yet. Um, yeah. So at that, uh, once I can uh, you know, figure out how I'm going to fund that, I'll get that done. And then I'll rent that out as an Airbnb. So that'll be 
I can mm. go over there because I love France. I feel like my spirit nationality is French. Like they love cheese yeah. and wine and they're quite anarchic. So I think that's kind yeah. of like, that's kind of like my spirit nationality. Um, yeah. I kind of enjoy that slight anarchism. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'll, I'll uh, be able to live part-time there and then rent that out the rest of the time because I, I want to have, I like being quite remote. I, again, lifestyle. I don't need a ton of money to do that but I can yeah. live a life with some land around me. And I got, I mm. bought that barn. It was a complete ruin. Um, I bought it for like a thousand euros because no one, no one wanted it in France because they wow. don't like old, they don't like old stuff. They just want to knock it down and build new stuff. So, oh. so it was, it was yeah. just, a, it was a literally like, you know, you go to like these fields and there's like some walls and like what looked like might be a door. It was that in you. Know, wow. I, I've, I probably spent, I've been doing it slowly. So chipping away at it bit by bit, saving up money, like I knew mm. a new roof would cost about 30,000 euros. So save mm. up, do that, save up, do the next bit. So I've been doing that for yeah. about kind of, God, seven Have you got anyone now. on the ground? Is it, have you got family or anything out there? Yeah, I've got, I've got family who live in France. So it's in the right, same okay. hamlet that my auntie lives. So she can kind of manage keep people. An eye. I was like, yeah, how do you keep an eye on it and all of that? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So and I've got insurance, like it's insured and stuff. So that's fine. Mm. So there's that. And then my business, obviously. So at some point mm. I will exit the company um mm. and that will potentially be sale of my shares or you know, whatever else that is and hopefully mm. the uh as you know for the years when you start a business you're you're paid well below market rate for what you do because you've got five <laughs> yeah. jobs so you're definitely not earning five salaries <laughs> uh, and so you sacrifice at the start with the idea mm. of kind of what that could look like in the future but I'm very conscious yeah. that I don't want that that's the main plan but also mm. if that doesn't work out I'll be okay yeah, I will still have yeah. I'll still have a life I love, and that was mm. really important to me. I also do other things, so I do a lot of public speaking now, writing, mm. which I get paid for. Um, so I'm mm. building up kind of multiple income streams, which allow mm. me to kind of have options. Really, I don't like I hate all eggs in one basket. I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. Um, I like yeah. trying to diversify. Um, mm. Yeah. And uh, tell me, so you got blood clots in your legs just to like go into. And then there's stuff that goes wrong. And yeah, it's stuff, a nice like, stuff goes wrong. A nice yeah. segue into that, maybe not. It sounded horrific. And, you it know, was. I, I was, you know, I know all I know is, you know, bits and pieces that you posted on Facebook. So I don't, you know, we haven't spoken. Yeah. So um, I was out. Um, so, yeah, so with all, all the best they found. So I'm a very fit and healthy person. I've yeah. um, always kind of looked after myself. Um, weightlifting, I've, pole dancing. Yeah. Very active, hiking. Are, yeah. Yeah. I've always been super active um I was a competitive powerlifter for many years um so I've done all the things you're supposed to do you know whenever I go to the, the doctor and like how many units of alcohol do you drink a week and um I'm, it's always like I'm always quite smug I'm like not many um apart from the odd <laughs> night in France but you know it, yeah, well yeah. within healthy healthy yeah, healthier yeah. than your average um yeah. so I um was out walking the dog one day I was 38 at the time 38 38 38 at the time about walking the dog and was going up a hill and I thought I'd like torn my hamstring so suddenly my right leg was like excruciatingly painful and it went completely dead and I was I was like oh my god like ow that really hurt but it felt like an injury I've been injured before it felt like an injury and I sort of it took what should have been a 15 minute walk home it took me about an hour to get home because I was like hobbling I was like kind of like you're on your own no, my husband was with me, but oh, he's, that, also, okay. he's also an ex-powerlifter. So he's like, oh, come on, you've had worse than this. Get home, like, stop moaning. So and I'm like, like, oh, my leg hurts. He's like, it's fine. We'll talk now when we get home. 
anyway, and the dog's like running around being an idiot. Mm. Got home, and I it just felt like an injury. I was like, God, I've done. I was like, I've really done something here. I, and then we were joking because like lifting heavy weights and doing all these dangerous things and you always hurt yourself when you're like reaching for the milk or like yeah when you're not you crick your neck when you're not you're not concentrating like you can go and lift 180 kilos but then you hurt yourself like picking up a shoe it, it, yeah we like joking like oh it's, isn't it typical anyway so I went to go and see my osteopath a couple of days later because it was still like not great I couldn't walk very far I thought oh god I've really done something here I need to get like an ultrasound mm. on it so I went to see my osteopath and he was to be fair amazing he was like I don't like this he was like your foot's cold He was like I think you've like really trapped something and he said I need to get you to the doctor because I think you probably like I'm worried about like you've trapped you've trapped kind of an artery or something which is a thing mm. like you can you yeah still felt like an injury went to the doctors and um he was like oh yeah this is weird and went through all the risk factors you smoke all that kind of stuff and he was like that's strange so they did like, a brachial index test they kind of do t- take your blood pressure at like the four points of your body I'm mm. um uh I, I find medicine fascinating i find human bodies fascinating so i'm like at this point i'm like interested in everything that's going on i'm like oh this is interesting like data oh this is quite interesting so like measure all my stuff everything's great apart from my right leg and he's like your right leg basically he's like that's the sort of reading i'd expect from a kind of 70 year old diabetic smoker who never moves so i was like <laughs> oh, okay interesting he was like, so I'm going to send you some blood tests. I was like, am I sure? And I said to him, I'm like, should I be worried at this point? He was like, no. He was like, it'll be something. Don't worry about it. I was like, okay, great. So I went off for some blood tests. And um, about three or four days later, so the first kind of set of lockdowns kind of ending, I was able to go to the hairdressers. I was like, yay, you can buy haircuts. So I was literally in the hairdressers. And my phone rings. And it's my doctor. He's like, okay, yeah, you have to go to hospital now. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you have to go to hospital immediately. I was like, okay i was like i'm in the hairdressers because i finished my haircut he's like no go now I was, like, I was like okay and he was like my new hairdresser i'm like i'm not normally this traumatic i'm really sorry i have to leave now can we just like finish that bit and i'll come back and sort it out so i'm like i have no idea what's going on at this point so wow. i so as far as my husband's concerned i left for the hairdressers and never came back um so i i like rang him i was in the car i'm like i'm really sorry i've got to go to the hospital now and he's like okay well keep me posted at this point no one's like that worried and I asked the doctor, I was like, well, what, 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 what's wrong? He's like, oh, your bloods were a bit off. I was like, all right. Um, anyway, get to hospital, get admitted. And I saw the consultant. So tell him what's going on. And he was like, he's like, look, he's like, I don't think we're looking at a blood clot here. He's like, you've got no swelling. You've got no symptoms of it. He's like, what we're probably looking at is that you've trapped something quite severely. And we need to figure out what that is. So how we untrap it. Um, or you've got like some kind of, um, you can get like an infection in your arteries. And somehow that's like, that's causing some kind of reduced blood flow. Because at this yeah. point, my foot was like blue. Um, so my foot was like very cold and had gone blue. I was like, ah, oh, that's not looking great. Um, so, uh, Anyway, so they did a CT scan and then he came back the next day and he came to my bed. And he was like, he was white. And he was like, OK, he's like, well, um, I don't know how we've not had to amputate your foot. I was like, well, there's an opening line. It's like, great. OK, brilliant. Just like don't sugarcoat it. And he was like, also, I don't know how you're alive. I was like, oh, OK. He's wow. Like, yeah. Probably um, because how fit and healthy you are, right? That's probably what actually saved, saved you ultimately. Me. Thick thighs save lives, quite literally. Um, so yeah, he was, so he described what had happened um, as I my body had out of absolutely nowhere created a shower of blood clots, and they and he, he described it as a shower of blood clots in my arteries, which is super rare. Like you normally only get blood clots in your arteries if you've been in like a 
kind of a, a serious accident or you've had major surgery um so for them to appear out of nowhere is kind of a bit like unheard like yeah weird a shower blood clots which then went and like landed in my legs and the pain i'd felt was basically those blood clots like stopping the blood flow to my arteries and my you know and and my extremities and stuff and that's what so you know like if you ever train in the gym you go to like muscle fatigue and your and your muscle just stops working because it's like run out of power yeah. that's like what happens yeah. so um so you've got, yeah. if you haven't got one blood clot you've got about, loads seven, of them. about 17 Fuck. yeah like loads so um yeah so they and I was like, well, what do we do with him? He was like, honestly, nothing. He was like, we give you. So I had to inject myself in my stomach for four months with um, quite heavy duty blood thinners. And now I'll, I'll be on and I've had every test under the sun and they can find nothing wrong with me. They just don't know why this happened. It's, com it's completely Dare I mention the word vaccine? Had you had it? There's no. A whole nothing. No. This, is, so this, literally... is, this is pre-vaccine. Wow. Yeah, pre-vaccine. literally, there's no, like, oddity that happened. Nope. No nothing. medication. No nope. significant event. Nope. Wow. Nothing. Just walking around and your blood tries to kill you. Like, it can happen. So, <laughs> just yeah. out of nowhere. So, yeah, so yeah. I've been left with, um, my right leg's quite badly damaged. So, um, I've got about 25% of one artery working to my right foot. So, I'm on quite a lot of medication to, like, keep my foot attached. And I've got wow. about 25% of the artery that like, feeds your right butt cheek. Um, so that can get quite painful. Like if I'm walking uphill or, or like walking a long distance can be quite hard because my leg just stops working. And I've got literally, it's like, it's like a bottleneck and I've got to stop and wait for the blood to go back into my leg and then like start again. Um, wow. so that's super frustrating. Um, yeah. but it could have been a lot worse. Like he said to me, had they landed anywhere else in like the fact they all land on your legs, he was like, is literally a miracle. He was like, someone wants you here. He was like, because I, yeah, he's like, I've yeah. never seen anybody with this number of blood clots be alive. I was like, oh, cool. Um, Thanks, hey, I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's good. Um, but yeah, he was like, had they gone to your bowel or your lung or your brain, he was like, you would have just dropped dead on the spot. That was it. I was mm. like, fuck. Like, that's mm. like... Ooh, so are they still... Are they, so they're still there? So no, that your body... And so apparently your body kind of makes... And I didn't know this which is fascinating. Your body makes and breaks down little clots all the time. Like, because right. you bash yourself or things happen and your body kind of creates little teeny ones and breaks them down constantly. Like, that's what our bodies do. And you think yeah. about it, like when you cut yourself, that's literally, you, you clot yeah. and it doesn't yeah. like go into your brain or something. Your body knows where to put it, heals the thing and does it. But mine just went, mm. mine just had a complete brain fart one day and decided we're going to do it all wrong. Um, so wow. they... Um, no, they, they they dissolve on their own. They kind of like. So what are you it. left with? You're left with the damage from that happening. Yes, yeah, so they attach to the walls oh. of the artery, and then they kind of calcify and they make scar tissue. And right. my arteries have now got scar tissue um, in them, which mm. might make, might break down over the years. But right. I kind of have to live. I have to kind of have to make peace with the idea that it, it won't. So. Um, wow. kind of you are where you are but yeah it, again it, this lessening you, you're just walking around one day and things happen and so this kind of again kind of to segue it back into the money chat you just mm. cannot go through life assuming that that kind of job university house pension is going to work and we all know someone who's had that so we're like oh we saved all our money for our retirement and then one of us died mm. two years later like mm. don't be that person like live mm. your retirement now like do mm. that do that stuff now yeah. because you just don't know like the unexpected happens and 
what it really taught me is when people say, say stuff like, oh, that's like really rare. I'm like, hey, do you know what? Rare stuff happens all the time. To all the time. All the time. <laughs> rare yeah. things happen constantly. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is there's like, so many rare things. That there's always a, there's always a rare thing oh, happening. Brilliant. So, I, yeah. I, like, I still enjoy, perversely, I still quite enjoy the look of horror on any medical professional's face when they see what happened to me. Because I when I was in hospital, um, they came to me with like my my medical notes. They're like, you haven't got any medical notes. I'm like, I've never been ill. I've literally yeah. never been ill. Um, yeah. They're like, oh right. I'm like, I've never been in hospital. I've never broke. I broke my finger once. I've never broken a bone really. Like. I was like, I've never, be, I've never been ill. And they're like, oh my god! Like they had like one page of like a few bullet points. Like that was it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just oh, um. No. Yeah, it just you've got to go through life, kind of not assuming something terrible happened, but really cognizant of the fact that something horrible could happen at any moment. And mm. if it did, and that's kind of quite life affirming, actually, being that I didn't die. Um. Yeah. Uh. It, it also makes you think, like, if you've got stuff in your house, like you know things you don't want maybe parents to see have a friend who like have an agreement like if you did die they clear out certain drawers like just have that <laughs> have that little agreement yes i've never thought of that before yeah and i was like oh my god what if they found like oh so like have a you know just just make sure you've got someone like you know a bit like you know mission impossible that if that happens it's they get like, like the friend that helps you bury the body but empty the the, the, the toy drawer empty the drawers and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you know just make sure you've got someone in your life who'll do that for you um but no, it was like you could just walk around and 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 yeah but it's quite life affirming because I after all that and I wrote a piece about it that I had the perfect excuse and like you go through that kind of near I still be dramatic and call it a near-death experience but you go through that kind of Whoa. trauma yeah. yeah you go through that trauma like it's a close call I was lucky yeah. um like simultaneously very unlucky and also very lucky at the same time yeah. um and you know I still came out of that loving what I do and I was like I wouldn't have changed anything like I wouldn't have lived my life differently and I was wow. like that's yeah. kind Not of like many people can say that and I was like that's that's for me that was it I was like I still massively believe in what I do for the business and I'm mm. like even more motivated to do certain things with it I still mm. love my life my husband my hobbies like all my choices yeah like I I'm like yeah I'm pretty happy with all those choices there was nothing I was like right that's it I'm completely changing. I'm going off to live on a remote island somewhere. I was like, no, actually, yeah, crack on. Like this is, I'm, I'm on the right yeah. path. And that was quite a big thing, actually. I think that you don't often get gifted those moments to kind of properly go, do I, is it now? Do I do, do I do the thing? Is this the big change? So mm. I go and like, I know, try and make it in LA or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, is the answer to that. I haven't even got TikTok going. I can't do an audition tape. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, that was that was what happened um, just over a year ago. So it happened on the first of April, first um, of April twenty. That is not funny. April Fools. It's not funny, is it? The first of April came round, and I walked past the place that happened because I knew exactly what it happened. Um, and I walked past it a lot. I'm like, that could have been like that could have been the and also, you kind of look at it, and I find it quite funny. I'm like, oh, that could be the place I died. Like, that could have been. Like, well, that's what I was about to say. I was like, you could have died there. I literally, that could have been the spot I died. It's just like in a park in Swansea. I'm like, oh, it's not very, it's not very diva-ish, is it? It's like Body that's a bit about found in park. Like, woman found in park. Like that. I'd be like an and finally on the news. Like, and finally, um, like <laughs> you know, cat slipper tree and woman found in park. Yeah, like yeah, but it was um, yeah, you, it can happen. Rare mm. things happen all the time. And we go through life. 
I suppose you can't go through life thinking of all the things that could go wrong. I mean, that's literally what anxiety is. Like, yeah. go, go through life. That's literally anxiety. Um, <laughs> and I have that. Um, and actually, yeah. it was amazing for my anxiety because all the things that my anxiety told me might happen, never, never thought of this, did it? Didn't bloody yeah. think of this. Rubbish. Yeah. Liar. Complete liar. Anxiety is a complete liar. And the things that you mm. should be worried about, never tells you about. So yeah mm. now if I get kind of anxious and I kind of spiral a bit I'm like well never predicted that did it so it's probably lying to me and that's actually been really freeing as well um because wow sort of, that's massive uh, yeah mm. it's kind of this strange uh, I still suffer with anxiety everybody does but it's mm. very much kind of like well the one thing that um it should have really been anxious about dying whilst walking the dog just didn't happen so, so never never thought yeah. Of that yeah so um mm. yeah you can't I suppose you can't walk through life thinking about um all the things that could go wrong because you'd be paralyzed you'd never do anything um mm. but actually you know, i suppose there by the grace of god or whatever yeah deity, you insert your own deity um there by the grace of whatever chance fate um yeah is yeah anything can happen yeah it's crazy mm. yeah a year just over a year ago mm. but a lot of time then... like not fun like just a lot of appointments also it's really inconvenient being ill like when you're a busy person yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like you were just saying about six weeks to get an appointment. It's like how do, you know? Yeah. Fitting it in. I mean, massively. You know, we haven't managed to all meet for brunch for years. Yeah. Over the side. You know. Even before that, we weren't managing to like figure it out. So yeah. Having to do just so inconvenient. So inconvenient. And I used to go along with my laptop because if I'd be there for hours, and I'd yeah. be like, "Can I have this stuff? Wi-Fi password?" They're like, "No." I was yeah. like, oh, "Come on, I've got work to do." And then one time, because of course, what happened to me doesn't really happen to young people. I'm still classing myself as young. So, like, yeah, and you exactly. realize you're young when you're in a room with like everyone else there's like 90. And yeah. I'm in this room and they're all kind of like older and I'm there on my little laptop. And I remember having a conversation with a nurse. I was like, look, I know like everything runs late. I was like, but can I please, like, is there any, any, I've got stuff to do. When's my appointment going to be? And she's like, well, yeah. She's like, well, you're all in the same boat. And I'm sort of looking around going, I don't think that's true. I'm pretty certain. <laughs> I mean, I could be completely misreading the room. I'm pretty certain none of these people have got a board meeting later. I'm going to throw it out there. Don't think any of these have got a tech meeting or a board meeting at two o'clock. Like, I think, I think, I think they wouldn't mind me hopping ahead of them. But yeah, it was funny. You got to laugh. You have to, right? You got to laugh. Otherwise, you could just go nuts. I you guess. would. Yeah, you would. Yeah. So do you still have lots of appointments and medication and stuff? Or is um, it just you monitor? I'm on a lot of medication. Feel? And I will be forever, um, which is, it is what it is. You know, it's better than it happening again. And the problem is they, they didn't find anything wrong with me. So because they've not found anything wrong with me, they mm. can't go. That's what caused it. We can treat that thing. They just don't know why it happened. And it could be that it's happened for a reason that medicine doesn't know yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I have to stay on um, anticoagulants and vasodilators forever. The vasodilators wow. are just to keep blood flow like going into my foot. And the uh, mm. anticoagulants are to stop my blood clotting. So mm. bleeding to death is something I have, I have to worry about now instead of like clotting to death. Um, Ironically, yeah. I, I know, yeah. Just like pick a lane, guys. Come on. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I have to be a bit careful about stuff like that. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'll be on that. And I've got, um, and then just dealing with the after effect of it, like, is my leg going to ever improve? I do get mm. things like um, overnight. Um, like it aches like it's like achy like an old person it's like my leg aches in the evening so that's kind of not that fun but yeah I, I'm still under a consultant so I have checkups with them and I think I probably will do for a few years now just to kind of monitor mm. it and again because I'm a bit of an anomaly they, they're all a bit like 
we need to kind of use you as a case study because um mm. we this doesn't happen to people your age so it's a mm. bit of a strange one and it wasn't like related to like hormonal birth control or anything because um uh that tends to be like dvts that's in your veins and they even mm. did tests with like well did it start in your vein and go all the way around your body somehow go through your heart and out the other side and they did all these tests and it wasn't that so yeah, yeah they've really they've really looked for everything i've had every weird and wonderful test under the sun and i'm su yeah surprising everything works like everything's good like mm. apart yeah. from the random blood trying to kill me one day but you know mm. we, all have, we all have bad days <laughs> just having a bad day you just had a particularly bad day <laughs> a particularly bad day but it was it's kind of like really unlucky but also very lucky at the same time but you sort of think as well like you think about how those moments are portrayed kind of I suppose and I suppose even me telling the story sounds quite dramatic but when you're in it it's mm. just happening to you like it's just kind of you don't mm. I don't know whether that's your brain sort of protecting you a bit but mm. you're just kind of you're just living it and it's each one moment at a time and then you, you always said about you look back like something was hard you don't realize it's hard until you look back and go oh, that was really hard until you're out of it yeah that yeah you look back and you go mm. oh, that was that was a really shit time but at the time everybody is so much more resilient than you think you are like your ability to get through mm. stuff is so much greater than you think it's going to be because when something mm. bad happens you mm. just handle it like it's you probably won't fall to pieces you'll probably cope somehow mm. and that's quite mm. amazing really like we're all a lot mm. more resilient than i think we think we are yeah yeah definitely and i and i there's something as well about our resilience doesn't get tested yeah the, you know in this day and age per se yeah i mean insert you know russia and the war on ukraine's yeah. a bit of a big test for everyone and yeah. is that coming our way but those kinds of tests apart from that don't really come along we no. don't get we don't have levels of violence like no. come at us from nowhere we don't no. have you know i know everyone says at the moment there's a lot of financial hardship mm. and at the same time i'm like this isn't really that bad. And I and I get, look, you know, people will say, oh, well, it's all right for you with your property portfolio and your yeah. business and this, that and the other. And sure, I, you know, I get that. It's not that bad for me. And I was born in Zimbabwe. I've mm. been back to Africa. My dad lived in Tanzania. I know what real poor looks yeah. like. And I'm like, this isn't, even the poorest poor people in our country, most Tanzanians, Afri you know, anyone in a third world country would give up a lot to have that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a funny perspective of like hardship. and It's all relative though, isn't it? Yeah. Like everything, it's all relative. Yeah. And it's, it's that kind of, um, and I suppose that's why we have global indexes and country by country indexes. Because, yeah. um, you know, if you look at kind of, so, so, thankful very thankful for the nhs over the last year because oh. i found i found out recently that just the tablets i have to take are like 60 pound a box yeah. and the and the injections that i was on for four months were 15 pounds an injection i had to take one every day like yeah. i if i was in the usa and i was poor and i didn't have health insurance yeah. medical bankruptcy is the number one bankruptcy in the usa so you yeah. look at kind of standard of living and there by the grace of god and all that kind of stuff and if a hardship happened to you and suddenly you lost your job and you lost your healthcare and then you got ill, you're screwed. Yeah. 
Like, which and ironically, the chances of getting ill are higher once you've lost your job and your house, right? Yeah, because, as well. because you've got stress and all that other stuff yeah. that can like really contributes. Um, so yeah, so I suppose it's all relative in that sense. Like, I'm super privileged that I've grown mm. up in the UK that I've had other, I had no other underlying health conditions. Also, mm. that I'm a healthy or what the medical community considered not to be, um, you know, particularly overweight. So I didn't suffer any kind of um, uh, discrimination because of how my body looks. So people who live in a bigger body quite often uh, suffer medical discrimination because it's assumed that all their problems are based around the size of their body instead of what's actually happening inside their body. Um, mm. So I didn't face any of that. So I was able to access. I'm also like, they're very lucky that I was in hospital for three days. And during that time, no one told me what's going on. And I'm was able to advocate for myself and I'm a very articulate person yeah. so I was I, if I had a learning difficulty or was vulnerable that experience would have been incredibly different and or that would be just very not hard. that articulate or yeah. not that confident like just yeah. you know I, I I'm kind of blessed with the same I yeah. don't mind looking stupid and I don't mind no. asking questions yeah. and going sorry what is that and hang on you know I went through two pregnancies as a geriatric mum oh god don't even I was like the medical and, and they go like, oh, that's the medical name for like pick it, pick a different word. Yeah, let's change it. So yeah. geriatric mum wanted home births, yeah. didn't want med medical intervention, went overdue, and that is unacceptable to yeah, the medical they don't profession. Like that, yeah. Don't you dare let your body do what it does and give birth when it's ready. Like you yeah. must you know, and I, I've sat with a consultant who basically told me I was probably going to kill my baby if I didn't get induced there and then, like literally. And it's only because I'm articulate and can go. And, and even in that point, I was crying. You know, yeah, I was yeah. so upset. So and luckily, Owen is amazing. And was just like, no, we're not being induced. We've come in to have a scan to check mm -hmm. everything's OK so we can go home again. Yeah. Not so you can say cover your medical negligence yep. insurance by saying, well, we told you you should yep. have in case the baby dies. Yeah. Yep. But people people who can't sta like stand up for them, yeah. like, that's not easy to do. And the same yeah. with you, right? Like and and I most people see a doctor and go, well, you know everything. You're yeah. in charge. You tell me what to do. And I was a mess. Like, I was in the hospital. Bearing in mind that I've been plucked from my life yeah. and plonked in a hospital and mm. and you have to and I'm a very impatient person you've got to wait around for everything um and it's a surprise to no one so I'm like what's the ETA on this scan and they're like well it's going to happen when it happens I'm like that's, that's unacceptable to me that's when is unacceptable it going to be from the unacceptable world, like, absolutely that's not why the NHS is in such a mess tell, tell me when it's going to be and they'll call <laughs> if emergencies come in I'm like I know but oh just frustrating um and um but also then experiencing the other side of it which is the invisible illness side of it is quite an interesting road to walk so i um have times where um i can't walk very far and i i just i have to stop i i just can't walk and mm -hmm. that's really interesting and when i was going back for appointments and i was saying look you know so when i went back after it happened i went in and they hadn't told me that i had to have another scan and i was like i i thought this was literally my appointment was 8:30 it's now yeah. 10 30 nothing's sure. happened um it, I didn't you didn't tell me it's because I was waiting for a scan like I can't do this now I've got stuff to do yeah. um and and having some uh nurses be very rude to me and I was like look I'm just wanting I just need to know when this is going to be and yeah. one of them actually snapped me was like I've got actual ill people to deal with and I was like wow okay 
And then it was actually that scan when I saw the consultant and she saw me after. She was like, oh, so you've had your scan now? I'm like, yeah, I nearly died. And her face was like, I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, so maybe just because I'm walking around and I look okay. You, and it, it's a big lesson. You yeah. just don't know, do you? Like you what don't, people are dealing with. You don't know. You don't know what people mm. are dealing with. And I always mm. try and, um, I suppose it may be a little bit kind of, softer I suppose in some ways to people because if someone's like rude or having a bad day I'm like mm. I kind of have to think about like I don't know what their weeks look like what they're handling at home yeah. what else is going on in their lives what they're going yeah. to bed at night worried about um yeah. but also being if people tell me that they're experiencing something and something's or, or the way they see the world they're experiencing I just believe them because I go do you know what yeah. actually I was saying that to people and because I didn't look a certain way they didn't believe me and yeah. so actually, same with you, because you were a certain age, because because you happen to have, have been, bear in mind, we've, we've made up time. Uh, we've made up age. Yeah. We just made it up. Um, yeah. a very, and again, a very useful way to label people. It's a really easy way to apply a set of rules to a set of people. Um, mm. Age is a completely useless number because it doesn't tell you, like, you're 30% of the way for your life or yeah. you're at you, your, your body's performing as X percentage. Yeah. It's completely useless, really, apart from... Yeah very general broad guidelines exactly um, and it's like oh you're you're a geriatric mum so you have to be consultant led and you have to do this and this and I'm like the very first midwife who saw me she didn't even realize how old I was until I said specifically said to her by the way I'm not happy with consultant led I want a home yeah. birth with midwives and she was like looking at the notes looking at me going why how old are you yeah useless I useless like, number pointless it's pointless because you know I and I and I think I look younger now than I did when I was 25 yeah because I don't I don't smoke anymore I don't drink anymore I don't eat you don't work in the kitchen anymore Mars bars I don't work 16 hours a yeah. day anymore I look after myself I work out I'm stronger than I've ever been yeah and so it, yeah it's just arbitrary isn't it it's like how old are you it's like well, what's that mean it's like that's yeah. how many years you've been on the planet that's about yeah. all it tells you. literally it just tells you how many times you've been on the planet and a time which we also made up like if I lived on yeah. Mars I'd be a different age like it's stupid I'd also be dead, yeah. but you know, um, but yeah. uh, I can't yeah. live on Mars just yet. But yeah, I, and I think that it's um, it's maybe kind of um, and with all things, well, like when people tell me their lived experience, I'm just like, yeah, fine, that is your lived experience, and that's it. So when we go, because it is true for them, it is yeah. true for them, absolutely. Mm. And we don't know what we don't know, and mm. I do kind of um, so what's quite interesting is that um, kind of so I went down. So after this, then um, I had to make sure that I wasn't only. So the other thing that happened off the back of this is I, um, I, 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 without knowing it, and I didn't sign up for this, but I've become the uterus spokesperson for the UK. So, I have noticed on social media that was quite a thing. Yeah, <laughs> I've like, become the spokesperson you. for uteri. Yeah. Is that the plural? For across the UK. <laughs> um, so I had to have a, a an IUD fitted, which is a form of birth control. Horrifically mm. painful, horrible experience. Mm. And I'm a massive oversharer, obviously. So I like wrote about this on Facebook and then a bunch of other people started going oh my god yeah I had this happen yeah. terrible 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 horrible really painful absolutely ter-. I was like hang on a second this isn't it's not I okay like, <laughs> I was like I know I can live in an echo chamber like politically and socially but pain wise probably not an echo chamber on social media so you know how I love data I was like before yeah. I start kicking off I'm going to gather some data so I did a little survey sent it out into the world anyway they've just blew up like 1500 people filled this survey I was like whoa and the response was just people going I had this happen to me I had that happen to me it was terrible awful experience mm. all this sort of stuff and I was like mm. well, okay well what does the actual NHS say about this procedure and I read it and it was like said like mild discomfort and I was like well, that's a lie um, <laughs> what I'm that, reading here is not mild discomfort that is not what the data says 
Um, so I then, uh, anyway, long story short, I end up on like BBC Breakfast with it. And mm. I'm now actually working. There's never been a proper pain study done into this stuff. So all the stuff we know about cervixes, we don't basically. There is no, We don't know anything about a cervix. And we don't mm. know anything about female pain which is probably why things like when you were pregnant, they just don't know all this stuff. They just, it's, yeah. There's no data. Oh, I, I, well, we looked into, because I was so, you know, I'm very like, medication is flipping epic if yeah. your life needs saving. Yeah. Outside if you of need that, it, great. Yeah. not so helpful. Yeah. And I, I, we looked into, and, you know, we were, we, my, oh, the midwife, was, they were just amazing. They're very yeah. different to the doctors. It's, 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 you know, black and white. It's so different. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, when we looked into where this thing came from of you're going to kill your baby if you go overdue. Yeah. And it was a study. I can't, you know, anyone who's listening who knows the answer. I'm not getting this right now, but it was something like a study from the 1970s of yeah. like 12 women. Yeah. And 12 gave birth at home. 12 gave birth in the hospital overdue. And one extra woman, there was one extra stillbirth from the home birth wasn't necessarily because it was overdue but all no. these women happened to be overdue at which point they then said right going overdue is unsafe yeah and, and, and now that... we can't even get the data about whether that's true because nobody's allowed to go overdue unless they're like me and go fuck off I'm staying at home like I, I, you can't I, make me go <laughs> and what's interesting is the idea of overdue is different in different countries in France yes. it's 42 weeks and that's what we were saying we were like this is ridiculous yeah. what you're saying to us is ridiculous and there's no study to back up what you're saying well, and they're like well, oh but this and this and this it's like you're t you're literally talking nonsense it, and you're it, trying to scare me into your way of doing it and it blows my mind that in mm. some areas we have so much research and we have and yeah. let's face it it's the areas where they can make money because because mm. someone will sponsor that research yeah. but IUDs have looked the same since they were invented about the 40s and mm. we don't know anything about cervical pain we don't know anything about about what they call fundal pain so like pain at the top of the uterus and all that. I know right. a lot of medical things now um and um I've never said the word cervix so much in my life like it's crazy um uh so um yes yeah, so I went on to campaign and actually real change happened so and this yeah. again goes to show that I shouldn't have had to I it shouldn't have had to be me that um did this and just just somehow hit the zeitgeist at the right time yeah. and, and also people... why not it's like if someone doesn't do it there's a brilliant poem that my one of my business coaches quotes and it's they're like i can't remember the, the whole poem but it's basically like well if we don't do it who does you know why it's like you? yes you shouldn't have had to do it and at yeah. the same time if you don't no one will because no one going should to? yeah who's gonna who's gonna do that change so mm. yeah so uh i yeah but now real change happening. So the, the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Health have updated their guidelines. The NHS have changed their website. There's now they're now looking into different training. I'm part of helping write a, an actual proper pain study because mm. a proper medical pain study. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in this, not just like twelve. Um, there's never been one done. There's never been one done about this stuff. So actually mm. helping to um, write a, a, a you. Know, contribute to a pain study so we have all this data so mm. that my friends kids don't have to go through this and I was like that's it like my mm. I don't want the next generation to just still have to deal with this rubbish mm. on the whole women giving birth later thing I have mm. so many friends now who are like over 40 having their first child yeah and um Touchwood. I don't know any of them who've had any problems and I know that's a very small that's a very small data set sure, so I, sure. I was thinking about this 
And I was looking at like, again, love a bit of data, looking at like birth rates and stuff like that. And obviously pre-contraception, women gave birth in their 40s because you, you're still ovulating and you've not hit many you sex. You still have Just sex. Not. And that's, that's what happens when you have unprotected sex kids. You end up having babies. And, yeah. you know, and it happened. People had more kids back then. And I was doing my family history tree and I was looking at the number of children people had. Oh, she was like loads of them. Mm. And the age at which people had these children mm. and they'd start, you start having kids in your I know, 20s when you got married and you carry on into your 40s. Mm. And that was really normal. And then mm. we understood more about it and started telling women, oh, no, you're like once you hit 35, it's over. You're basically all going to die if you give birth now. You're horrible, <laughs> irresponsible people. Um, How dare actually, you get pregnant at such an age? Ugh, you have sex revolting, you old haggard witches. How dare you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just disgusting. Um, and and now, obviously, women, life takes a different route. So we want full lives before and after children. And we want to kind of, we want to live mm. and have careers and all this kind of stuff. And there's a part of me that goes you know what if women want to do that we just have to make medicine catch up we just have to like make mm. medicine catch up with thing oh her husband's appeared behind me is he Hello, Adam. with a dog is she oh she, he's gonna to have to bath the dog now she's stinking dirty <laughs> have like you got a spaniel have you got a spaniel again because you had i remember your original spaniel that passed yeah, away the og so yeah you know the spaniel called bronwyn who's young and oh, uh, yeah. very buggery um, but yeah, she's um, he's like got her under his arm like that, like carrying her for. Uh, she'll be fuming now. She'll be absolutely livid. Um, but yeah, if women want to have kids later, we just have to make medicine work. People want to live longer. We let them yeah. live longer by medical intervention. Just, just yeah. figure it out, medicine. Like, yeah, just figure I mean, it all out. In some ways, what's interesting around giving birth is is actually like, can we please have less intervention? Can you like yeah. leave women alone to do what bodies have done for years? And let I was very grateful. Quickly. Yeah, I was very grateful that we are six minutes away from a big hospital. Yeah. If shit went wrong, yeah, we you could we'd have our best chance yeah. of surviving. Yeah. You know? But also the thing that the midwife said to me that was really interesting, and I went on a hypnobirthing course as well, was that usually actually when things go wrong in birth, you know it's coming and it happens quite slowly. Whereas the uh. films have us oh, yeah. like, like it all goes wrong immediately and if you're not in a hospital you're gonna die yeah and the midwife was like that's not how it happens yeah no it's like friend friends of, i don't know if you know kevin birch so they've just had a baby name he's Isabel. A parenting coach he's kind of been okay. probably crossed each other's paths yeah because of me and you know they've yeah. just had a baby it's same thing kev's in his 50s i'm not sure how old debra is probably 40s and that She's a GP, right? So yeah. she's in the profession and she was still getting this, you know, you gotta do it this, 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 this way. And it's like, look, if it goes wrong, amazing. But if not, can you just she had preeclampsia, that was it. So she had to go into yeah. hospital and stay in hospital yeah. so they could monitor. So she didn't die. Yeah. Brilliant. Like fair I'm enough. For that. Yeah. So actually, the chance of it going wrong was monitored over weeks. Yeah. Like, even, it wasn't like an in a minute, no. oh yeah, you know. And yes, there was some emergency stuff towards the end, but it actually takes time for stuff to go wrong. It, so it, it does, and I and again, and that's where the benefit of of medical, I suppose, history and and the data people have collected and all that kind of stuff really comes into play. Is we know what's going wrong looks like, so that's really yeah. important. But if we know yeah. what going wrong looks like, um, I also got thinking about how big. So we talk about the um, uh, 
dangers of births over the age of 40 or whatever else and yeah. all this and the other. I was like, well, actually, how big is that data pool? Like mm. how, because well, presumably we have a lot more data pool of people between the age of say 20 and 35 than we do because mm. for generations we've been telling women not to give birth over 35 or all your eggs will suddenly turn to dust or whatever. <laughs> Like <laughs> your your uterus falls out and runs away. I don't know. Yeah. Oh gosh, that shit's um, real, though, man. Like that—that's societal. Like, and there's no way of pinpointing the one time when someone said it. It's like it's everywhere, and we you absorb just it, absorb we it absorb. without realizing. And, and it's culturally, and it's and it's mm. the stuff that drives me mad. So it's stuff like, um, like you said, in films, everything goes wrong really quickly. It doesn't happen. It's not like that. It's not always like that in real life. It's usually mm. not like that in real life. Or in films, whenever anybody who's not kind of under 30 or is over 35 gives birth, there's always a drama around it. There's always a complication. Yeah. Oh, how dare she? Oh, how irresponsible. Yeah. Um, and I just love to see, I'd love, there's things I'd love to see in terms of the a portrayal of, especially I think women in the media, because I think we kind of absorb all this. Stuff. And there are obviously men absorb a load of other stuff as well. But obviously I'm mm. speaking as my lived experience as a woman. Um, mm. We absorb all this stuff. We absorb all the stuff about our fertility. Mm. We absorb all the stuff about our roles. And we absorb yeah. all this stuff around like what sexy looks like at a certain age. And like, mm. I just want to see like normal shaped, normal looking women having a ball. Like that's what I want to mm. see. That's what it was obviously represented everywhere. And mm. I'm so glad that the kind of um, body neutrality movement is um, happening because mm. we're moving very slowly, but we're moving away from this space where beauty only looks like one thing or um, being pregnant only looks like one thing or mm. running a business only looks like one thing. And we're sort of mm. moving into this space and going full circle. That's where TikTok and things like that are amazing because you've got the mm. ability to represent that group and find that tribe of those yeah. people who also, and that's why I think those kind of platforms are amazing because if you're a mid-sized person, you can go and look at a bunch of people wearing clothes who are similar body shape to you and go, that looks great mm. on them. I'm going to try that instead of, I remember there was an outcry. I say an outcry, probably at certain red tops or whatever, when a fitness shop used um, models of bodies, like mannequins of bodies. And I've never met anyone who has a body that looks like a mannequin, ever, <laughs> in my whole life. So we're really, like, like the bars here anyway. Now. So mm. I've never... And then you add in Instagram and filters and Photoshop. You're fucked. So they, they use a, a mannequin body of a woman that was a normal size. She's probably like a size 14, 16 or whatever with clothes yeah, yeah. on it. Ugh, it's promoting obesity. I'm like, oh, get a grip. Mm. Two things here. No, it's not. That's it. You're wrong. Secondly, we constantly, as a society, tell people in larger bodies to eat less and move more. And mm. yet we don't represent the clothes they can wear to move more anywhere. Are they not allowed mm. to wear nice gym clothes until they're the size of a mannequin? Like what we tell what a yeah. mixed message. So um, mm. first of all, I think that you don't, your body doesn't have to be any particular size to be healthy. And in fact, I learned that over this last year because some of the medication that I was on made me put on weight and I hadn't changed anything else. But the medication just like made me gain about yeah. 10 kilos in eight weeks. I was like, I didn't do yeah. this. This wasn't anything yeah. I did. And suddenly I was in a body that was bigger than it had been before. And I had to like walk around Deal with dealing mm. with that and mm. feeling that kind of like, you know, feeling like were people judging me because my body looked different to how it, it suddenly mm. and that kind of very tabloidy like oh she's oh she's on my oh what's going cool. yeah. and oh leave me alone leave my body alone um 
just generally just leave our bodies alone just let us live in them be happy and yeah. just stop messing around with them um and yeah, ask- like that, it goes back to expectations doesn't it it's like there's how we expect life should be how we expect bodies should be how we expect birth should be and then there's actually how it is yeah and then there's all of the other ways in between like i was 40 I just turned 40. Yeah, I'd had my birthday. I'd had my 40th birthday when I gave birth. Yeah. And same, actually, I just had my 38th birthday when I gave birth. Yeah. And there's how lots of 40 year olds are. Then there was how I was. And it did they, sort of, out, out, out of interest, did, so you were 38 with your first and 40 with your second. Did yeah. they, did you notice a difference in having that 40 number in front? Was that a different, were you treated any different because that 40? Was it because you were like over 35 no, and still geriatric? And, <laughs> I, so I wasn't. And I think the other thing was because so there's a thing around when you're pregnant the first time. And that's not, you know, not discounting, like if people have had miscarriage and all yeah, like yeah. A pregnancy, a successful pregnancy, yes. first pregnancy. You are treated like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. You're an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't possibly know what your body's doing. So yeah. you're kind of mollycoddled more. Right. But not in a helpful way, just in a kind of like you're an idiot intrusive like condescending way yeah kind of like that and and, and that's even I really only dealt with midwives in the main and most of them were amazing yeah but there was still this undercurrent of like you don't really know what you're doing yeah yeah yeah. actually I'm pretty smart and articulate and I read a shitload I don't really like school but when I'm interested in something I'll devour videos books you name it you know so I I was like actually I know quite a lot of stuff the second one, you kind of get more left alone because you've done it before. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know what my medical notes say, but if they've got codes for patients that are non-compliant, it's probably all over my notes of like, she won't <laughs> listen. She, you know, she wouldn't Made get used, won't follow advice. You know, yeah. if they've got codes for that, it's probably all over my notes. I should probably yeah. ask for my notes back in fact it was interesting they take all your notes off you so you get given it's archaic as well you get given this literal folder of paper and yeah. told and this is in you know 2020 2022 yeah. this is not like 2018 this is not 20 years ago yeah you get told if you lose those notes that's the only copy there is and that'll be a real problem how is that possible and they're literally filling out notes on the paper and then doing a copy for them And it's all you have. And they basically say to you, you should probably keep this book with you all the time in case something happens and you have to go to hospital. We walk around with these things constantly that like can do everything. And I also have this thing as well, which even if you like writing, it's a little remarkable thing. I write notes in here and it sinks sinks (laughs) into my phone and I can carry it around. How is that cost like 500 quid? Like how are we? Oh, yeah. Baffling. So. So it's kind of, yeah, so it's kind of weird. So by the second one, I was already known as non-compliant. I was really lucky that the midwife, You had Sue, a reputation. You had a I rep. literally, I'm sure I had a reputation. In fact, Sue was like, you're really strict. On the second one, Sue, the midwife that came, she was the third round of midwives on the first one because shift changes. So I had right. like six or seven midwives. It's, it's quite luxurious when you have a home birth because you have dedicate, two dedicated midwives the whole time. Oh. And then shift changes. So sometimes there's three or four in the house. Whereas yeah. when you're in hospital, there's like a couple who are trying to manage. Floating know, around, yeah. So they, so Sue, who had been that one, she does reflexology and massage and all sorts mm. of other stuff. So I then started seeing her for yeah. all of that and still do and requested her for the second birth. She's not even in my area, but because of COVID and they were short staffed, she was allowed Oh, and she awesome. just, ad- I mean, I'm pretty good at advocating for myself, yeah. but she advocated for me on a level. She was just like, look, 
She knows what she's doing. She's fit and healthy. She's got no, like had no underlying health issue. Yeah. There's nothing. There's not a bit like you before you yeah. went with your blood clots. Like there's nothing. I don't have a medical file. Yeah. There's nothing. I don't go to the bloody doctors. Yeah. You know. Um, so she advocated really well with me. So they kind of left me alone more. But she said, you know, like the hospital are losing their shit over you. Basically, she didn't swear because she's very polite. But yeah. she was basically like with Rupert, I'd gone over. So I'd gone o- overdue, which I don't believe is even overdue. But, you know, they give you a due date. Yeah. Other things will say take two weeks from that. And after yeah. all the two weeks, then you're overdue. So, and that was my that's the way I view being. Yeah. Overdue. Yeah. It's like, you know. So the hospital are going, you're five days overdue, six days overdue, seven. And I'm going, no, nope, haven't reached my due day yet. So at yep. 14 days overdue to the hospital, they are literally like. They're losing it. Oh, my God. They, they can't cope. They're like, we're going to yep. end up in court if this goes wrong. Blah, blah, blah. She's not listening. All of that. I can't remember how many days overdue I was in there. But you know you're, but you know you're trying to. So I was like reading this stuff about, because I when I got stuck in hospital and I was like, I'm going to discharge myself. And they just lost their minds. I was like, oh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going home. Like, no, you're not. And I was like, well, you haven't told me why I'm here. And no one's... I'm, I'm not just, under arrest. Just I've sat around doing nothing. Um, I'm wasting someone else's bed. And um, But I was like, obviously reading up about it. And you're allowed to make decisions for yourself medically, even if it results in harm or injury yourself. You're allowed to make those decisions. You're yeah. allowed to say, I do not want this thing. Like, no yeah. matter how much pressure they put on you, you can say no. <laughs> best thing that I got out of the um Catherine Graves course that I did it was an online one I didn't she's like the original hypnobirthing lady mm-hmm. so it was her online course the best thing that I got from that was you're allowed to say no thank you to any medical treatment you yeah. offer and you have to yeah. give no reason basically what you've just said yeah and that for me was revolutionary because actually it was like they can't make you do anything but no. the way they speak is yeah. like they can yeah and this is a great life lesson for people as well, right? Because people go around thinking, I have to do this. No, you don't. And I'm the first person to go, why? Do you? Who's going to make you? Are you going to get arrested? Is it illegal? Yeah. Most of the time it's Is it not. hurting anybody? No. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it, they cannot, you can refute exactly that. You can basically say, no, th- we, no. We, we need to injure. And they would use language like this. They go, we need to book you in for an induction. And I went, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm not having one. And they were like, no, we really, you know, because, and this is the line they use, the hospital's really busy, and if we don't schedule you in, it could be difficult. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I feel I feel like, I feel like admin is not really something that you need to concern yourself with. Oh, when right. you're a child. Yeah, they, yeah. So, and, and the other thing that older mothers are told, it's probably better that you have a cesarean. Oh, sure. For who? Better for who? For you. It's better for yeah. you, is it? Okay. Yeah. And like again, if if that's your choice, more power to you. But you should you should absolutely be allowed to make the choice. Informed consent. You should be able to choose without judgment. Yeah, yeah. And I think the best life lesson I think, and for you know people listening to this as well, it's like you're allowed to say no Mm -hmm. anywhere and everywhere you like. Yep. And this idea, you know, there's a whole world of like, and this this is one of my favourite subjects, right? There's a whole world of like, someone made me do it. It's like, no, the minute mm-hmm. you get, no one can make you do anything. You've got all the power. Yep. The minute you think someone can make you do anything, yep. game over. Because you'll just go, yep. oh, okay. Like in the hospital, yep. oh, okay, I'll be induced. It's like, I don't yeah. want to be induced. You can, they, yeah, they, and I think this is, um again, as a, as a species, we do mm. tend to, and I get it, like, 
we learn from people who've gone before us and if someone's yeah. eaten that eat, you know we're out in a tribe and someone's eaten that berry and they died yeah. let's maybe not all eat that berry but yeah. you can go and choose to eat that berry if you want to knowing the consequence of it you can still go yeah. and choose to do that you're allowed to go and do that it might be absolutely idiotic to go and do it but you can definitely choose to go and do that you are allowed to go and do that yeah. um but i think that it's kind of we go down into into minutiae don't i so like oh you can't oh you can't say that or you can't you can't mm. wear that to this thing or you can't talk about this or you can't you know mm. or you, you can't run your business or you can't mm. change a currency or you can't you know, yeah. buy your first property is one you're not going to live in that's it yeah. why oh i can't believe the first property you're buying you're not going to live in it well them them's the choices like that's <laughs> what's left to me so that's my choice yeah. um mm. and i think that yeah you're absolutely right we're not taught so we're not taught about we're taught kind of about like consenting kind of kind of other areas but we're not talking about consenting in just life generally mm. you don't have to do anything you can choose mm. In choosing not to do something or in choosing to say no to something, there may or may not be consequences later down the line. Mm. You can choose to accept those consequences. It's like mm. the whole um, free speech debate. Mm. I, you know, I absolutely, obviously, I believe in free speech. You can say what mm. you want. Doesn't mean there's gonna be no consequences for it, but say what you want. You can mm. absolutely. I'm not gonna stop you saying anything, but mm. I, I also don't have to agree with it. And I yeah. also, it also doesn't mean there aren't consequences because it might yeah. be illegal or whatever else. But yeah, you yeah. you can say no to stuff. You can absolutely but, decide yeah. to say no. Yeah. And this idea, I mean, this is God, the free speech debate. There's another big one of mine. Huge, like, huge debate. The fact that more people aren't petrified of deplatforming and censoring and all of that. And they're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I, got, I like following people like Katie Hopkins, who most people find absolutely offensive and horrific. And it's like, yeah. And actually, the consequences of the way she are is people don't take her seriously. Yeah. But deplatforming her is like, that's dangerous. And she's one that, you know, most people could easily agree to deplatform, right? Because yeah. because of the way she because yeah because of the way she speaks, she's easy to go. She needs to be deplatformed. Yeah. She shouldn't be allowed. But Jesus, if we can't, that is basically saying people can't think for themselves. They can't hear her speak, for example. And actually, if you watch longer form stuff of when she does speak, she's spoken in the Ox. There's an Oxford debate where she's actually talking about platforming and deplatforming. Fascinating, eloquent, brilliant mm. to listen to. So I think she does herself a huge disservice when she's being, you know, sort it's, of challenging on purpose because it's, it's like really she loses a, audience because of it. It's a, it's a really it's it's so the deep platform is really interesting. I think what I think the bigger question around there is mm. that all the platforms we have are private companies. So yeah. and they pick the rules and yeah. and and absolutely you should do because um, I run my own private company and yeah. if someone told me I wasn't allowed I have certain regulatory stuff I have to do and certain sure. governmental things I have to do but if someone told me I wasn't allowed to run my business in the way I chose to run my business I'd be furious mm. so mm. all the platforms we have are private companies and and they can choose mm. who to put on and not so I think it's very mm. interesting that we have our outlets for speech are actually already controlled by other people so we've already yeah. if you want to go on a certain platform you you go by their rules and i do think that whilst um there are certain things which i think are completely intolerable so like hate speech and stuff like that people sure. need to that uh, yeah that that's because that's yeah we i do think that the promotion of that is is helpful for anybody but in mm. terms of having uh, you know, opinions i don't agree with i don't want to live in an echo chamber i don't only want to hear mm. opinions that align with my views because if i do that i'm gonna have a hell of a shock when i go out into the world and i hear people who don't who don't agree with me yeah. like that's that and i need to learn how to 
Um, mm. I think we've also lost this ability to have meaningful relationships with people we don't agree with everything on. Like you can mm. have differing opinions, but still have commonality. And yeah. there are some things which are um, would be you complete you deal breakers for me in the same way that when you date somebody there are things that are going to be deal breakers for you that yeah. doesn't mean that you didn't enjoy spending time with them or whatever else because mm. things that deal so in the same way with a, like people having opinions or people having um beliefs about things like i'm not a religious person but if somebody is a religious person and they have their sense mm. of belief that's fine i mm. don't have to believe in it but it doesn't mean i'm not going to talk to them because yes. of it. no um, go away from me <laughs> yeah you have a completely different set of, like that's cool you do you that's mm -hmm. fine as long as it's respectful and um and you're not being you know what just to be mean it's being mean mm. and it don't be mean to people unnecessarily yeah. like i think that's it and don't punch down that's my I, that's one of my things is don't punch down know where the balance of powers are and don't punch mm. down like that's not cool and i think that we yeah. can kind of i think there's a general agreement that punching down kind of let's not pick on the let's not pick on somebody who's kind of already having a rough time of it um mm, yeah I, mm. you know, it, it's i mean god de-platforming freedom speech huge debate like massive you, this could be for like forever um and again we talk about freedom of speech but it used to be we talk about it in the press so jour journalists obviously have to have their, their right to investigate and their right to kind of report things and they kind of have a journalistic duty which i find fascinating to kind of hunt for the truth i've watched a few kind of documentaries and stuff about journalists kind of writing big stories and you read kind of like a, a two-page or oh, the most famous one recently is the you know, Netflix series Inventing Anna so you watch the process of that kind of I know it's dramatized but that journalist mm. spent ages um researching and getting the sources another one uh film spotlight kind of goes through that process as well mm. fascinating mm. you read these kind of like a couple of pages and um you go you don't realize that maybe like a year's work's gone into writing that yeah. article and so you have mm. that level of journalism and then you have mm. clickbaity churning out headline journalism and yeah. even call the same thing i think is fascinating but mm. they both have merit in different ways i guess and we value mm. them as a society in certain areas and so they should both exist yeah uh, yeah but yeah it's um it, mm. it's the journalistic thing and, and even then the way things are reported i mean we all know that PR is something you use to promote businesses, books, you know, we use PR and you, and you use press to do that. Mm. But yet mm. press and platforms are the place that we expect free speech. I don't know, is our expectation wrong? Mm. You know, mm. is our, should we expect absolute free speech on any platform we go to? Or is that not where free speech exists? And free speech is a mm. concept. Can you ever really have it? Bearing in mind, we all live in a society with various kind of constraints and expectations is it ever really and, yeah yeah taboos mm -hmm. and what i what we're talking about now 20 years ago 50 years ago we'd have been we'd been cancelled yeah being old and their cervixes like publicly oh inform the elders you know it, we'd have been it's so it changes doesn't it our concept changes as time goes on and what yeah that, that's a really nice perspective actually the fact that actually you know there's a whole you know, for me, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, that that's really scary. But actually, when you put it like that, it's like, oh, there's a lot more free speech than there was. actually. Oh, yeah. So it's perceived as worse. But actually, on a general level, like even just this podcast and just this conversation, like you say, 50 years ago would have been like, oh. well, 
But also, 50 years ago, for us to be able, we wouldn't have had a platform for this because mm-hmm. these platforms like we're on now didn't exist. So you've got the mm-hmm. ability to take mm-hmm. this message to simultaneously, what, two or three different places mm-hmm. live. No mm-hmm. one's stopping us. We came up with this on our own, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put it together without um, having to get it signed off by anybody. Yeah. If we'd have wanted to do this 50 years ago, we'd have had to have a radio show commissioned or um, mm-hmm. been on the wireless or whatever, you know, <laughs> this would never have got on TV. Um, so we have the ability to say more of what you want is ubiquitous um, yeah. in the world. I think we, yeah, it's it's very. I think it's very easy to go. Um, uh, you know, we we shouldn't silence people. We can't cancel people. Let's look at actually the history of it and who and who got to speak before. And we wouldn't have got to speak before. 50 years yeah. ago, we wouldn't have had this platform. So yeah, I think I think it's an interesting. Yeah, one. it's really no, it's really that's a brilliant perspective. I love that. You know, it's yeah, that's really, really cool. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I wonder what um in twenty years we'll look at and think, wasn't it mad that we couldn't do that? I look at stuff now and I, I will just like my like my remarkable and my phone and how everything's connected. Mm. And mm. I look at how the business runs now versus and we like I said, we started the business pre cloud software. Yeah. Didn't exist. And I look at all the technology we used just on the day to day. Like we've mm. just had this refurb done. My fridge has got Bluetooth. Like yeah. My fridge, got, like, it, it, like, my fridge plays music. It's got a camera <laughs> in it so I can go and see what's in my fridge. That's ridiculous. Like, Tomorrow's World never prepared me for that. Like, that was <laughs> not something that, like, I'm like, I've got a fridge that's got more technology than my first car. That's, yeah. It's probably got more technology Insane. than the first computer I ever had. Like, it's just mm. wild. I love thinking about in, so when your kids are grown up, like, mm what is the world going to look like in terms of technology what are we going i don't to think we can even imagine it in some ways right if you look back and then go well what, how quickly it's happening faster and faster yeah yeah and cheaper mm. and cheaper like are we mm. going to be just zipping off to the moon for a day trip mm. like is that mm. a thing it, it's it, it's mm. um or so i saw that they've just announced there's an airline that's doing a um flight from the uk to australia in one go now so it's a 20 hour mm. flight and there's no stopping. That seemed completely yeah. impossible, like not that long yeah. ago. And now yeah. you could literally get there in a day. How crazy that you could get to anywhere in the world in a day. In a day. In a yeah. day. Like you're not yeah. that far from people, apart from Shetland, because my mum's recently moved to Shetland for reasons. Has she? Yeah. How come? Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm a little confused by it. It was, uh, I'm a little baffled, but she's gone to live her dream and live out on Shetland. Um, you yeah. can't get to Shetland in a day. It takes like three planes and a canoe to get there. Like it's, um, it's, it's, it's inaccessible. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? The places are much closer. It's like, nope, that's going to be really tough to get there. Australia, no problem. No problem. Hop on a plane, you're there in a day. Shetland, I've got to do a stopover in Aberdeen. Like it's, there's a whole thing. You can't get there. It's too windy. Um, yeah. There's no trees on Shetland. They don't have a single tree. Too windy for trees. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Not a single tree. What's, what's she doing on Shetland? Is she retired? Oh, that's fascinating yeah. to me. So she somehow managed to transport her job. So she's doing her job from Shetland. But she's um she's also very much she's got her own kiln, so she's very much into glass work. And um, I don't know, she's just like living, she's doing her, she's living her life on Shetland. Has she moved on her own or has she got a partner? I don't know. No, so her husband, her and her husband have moved and they've taken my nan with me, but then also her sister, my auntie, has decided to move too. So they've all just moved to Shetland. Okay, so she's like, she's, she's, she's taking like, a crew. taking a little community, like a gang, cool. and moved to Shetland. Yeah, like, 
just as you do, just one day was like, I'm moving to Shetland. Like, well, of course you are. Why wouldn't you be? Sure. Why not? Why not? Move to Shetland. It's, it's so now if you want to visit your mum, you have to get, like you said, three planes and a canoe. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It yeah, it takes about five days. Wow. That's nuts. <laughs> I know. Oh, funny, funny, funny. Yeah. Yeah, the paradox of like the, the, the new technology and then there are places where, no, you can't get anywhere that fast. No, you yeah. can't have next day delivery. No, actually, when you try and do that, that's going to feel really old fashioned. Your medical notes can't be centralised. You have to carry them around in a binder. I can I, I I still I still t- maybe maybe I need to take a leaf out of your book and you know there, there's a little part of me that wants to advocate for women who have kids to be able to and, and Vicky a really good friend of mine and joint venture partner she's got five children I think three of them were home births similar kind of you know it's like that want for women to understand that they can do yeah. it their way they don't have yeah. to follow like what what they're told and I'm and, you know look I'm not up for being an asshole to the medical profession I think they're no. fucking awesome my mum was a nurse yeah you know, I'm not anti. they do amazing work like what they do is epic and then sometimes they just need to leave people alone or trust that they'll be okay it's about again it's it's, it's about it goes back to I think live listening to lived experience doesn't it and I think yeah. sometimes I think in all areas actually maybe we're not great at doing that is yeah listening to people who've been through the thing and they have these groups where you have like patient you have like um expert patients so i'm regarded as like an expert patient for like iud stuff now mm. um and they listen to my opinion but i had to have that like label and and go through the things and prove myself with my little set of data um mm. but i'm an expert patient i get to be in the room for those conversations now i think sometimes it's about having the right people in the room like if you've got yeah. a room full of people who don't represent the thing that you're doing so you've got a room full of medical professionals who aren't women over 40 who've given birth in the way that you want to give birth they're not going to be able to advocate for your beliefs or your your tribe's belief your set and they spend most of their time seeing when it goes wrong because actually yeah that's all they've seen ones that pick up the pieces when shit's gone wrong yeah so then there's also this thing of like oh that's what it's like so it's it's a bias we could cut out the risk and just literally yep. cut the baby out and not yep. have to deal with all the natural birth thing we'll just yep. we'll just remove the make, a, con- make, make like a more a relatively controlled environment and do it that way yeah and, and I think that there is something to be said for but like you the thing isn't it sometimes being the person that has to do the changes is exhausting like yeah. to be like you're a busy person like yeah. to also take that on as well you're like oh yeah. why why me like yeah. I'm Jewish, so it's always a little bit like, oh, why has it got to be me? We're very like, oh, <laughs> why has it got to be me? Why is it got to happen to me? Yeah, us again. Um, there's that, like, like it's like genetic, I think. It's like, oh, what, oi vey. Um, but you know, it's like, yeah, why has it got to happen to me? But uh, do you mm. know what? If not you, who? If yeah. not you, who? And like you said, you are articulate mm. and you are smart and you do have a voice and you are able to kind of, you know, I think one of your talents mm. is like getting people on to have interesting discussions. Um, mm. Yeah, why mm. not you? You know, and mm. and, the, and you'll actually find if you go out there, there's a whole bunch of people who will be so thankful that you did it. And you'll be amazed mm. that the, if you think there's an issue and you've got an inkling there is an issue, just mm. go and find out. Because I when I did it, I still get messages on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff from women who've stumbled across the campaign and have literally messaging me going, I thought it was just me. I thought there was something wrong with me because I was in so much pain. Thank you so much. For doing that. I can't mm. believe it. And, there's, and I've got messages from literally thousands of women going, 
I thought yeah. it's just me. I can't believe this happened to other people as well. I thought, and, and no one asked me about it. And so I never said anything. You'll probably find mm. there's a whole bunch of people out there who'd be so grateful that you had the balls to speak up about mm. it. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's sometimes mm. being that flag bearer is hard work. Um, it's it is hard, right? I think it's, 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 yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's important, I think, for people, you know, to link it back to like money and business and all of that. Yeah. It's like, it ain't freaking easy, but it's worth it's, it. It's like, you know, having those thousands of messages now from women saying, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah. It's worth it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Time Every time I'm it, like, Whoa. And it And it felt so at the time, it, it felt very necessary because I was cross. I was really angry. Like I'd almost died and I'd have to go through this as well. I was really angry about the whole thing. Um, yeah, so anger yeah. like really fuels you. And then you're yeah. like, oh, I'm, oh, so I'm tired. Like I just want to watch Netflix for a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, just give me a break. One day, one day off. But um. It's super necessary, yeah. but actually, like, yeah, running a business up, and also I think there's this um, like, why can't hard things be fun? Like, we kind of think yeah. about like, you know, you know, things should be fun, it should be easy, or everything that's fun should be like, yeah, it should be like a, a you know, happy, crazy, you know, fun times or whatever else. Things yeah. that are hard can be really fun because they're super yeah. rewarding, and you got to see the mm. thing that you did turn into something else, and that's amazing. And I think that yeah. we forget that. I don't know if we don't teach people that or and it's not that people don't know the value of hard work. I don't think I'm not gonna be one of those people like, oh, kids today don't know how to work hard or whatever else. But I think there's something about um kind of like it's like you're not meant to be happy all the time. Like you haven't got to be in a state of euphoria twenty-four seven. Like and that doesn't mean you're depressed, it just means you're a human. Like you don't have to like yeah. constantly be like Woo, raving, life's a party. Like it's yeah, that's not it. And also, if yeah. you were like that all the time, it's all about perspective, right? Like if you're always constantly mm. happy, like how do you get? And that's how do you know? You have not... to have the perspective. You have to be sad to know when you're happy as well, exactly. right? It's like you like, can't. And and every day we run the gambit of emotions. Like I can be euphorically <laughs> happy and like mortally depressed within about two hours of each other yeah. like I'm just like I'm like oh oh everything's terrible and then two hours later I'm like yes I'm yeah. crushing life like but yeah. I think that's that's not talked about anywhere near enough either like people don't normal. talk about the fact that that's actually normal so normal like yeah. I could be literally crying because 15 bad things happen in a row and I drop my car keys I'm like oh no my life's terrible and then five hours later I've like had a like actually smashed it something else I'm like yeah I rule like yeah that's absolutely normal like I think that yeah we don't no one's like everyone's like and I don't I like the idea of and I'm saying this is someone who's kind of like I've you struggle with like anxiety and depression and stuff and mm. that's I think you could, it's learning the difference between, especially with anxiety, it's learning the difference between should I be stressed and anxious about this thing? Like this, yeah. so when that, like all the stuff in the house is going on, it's quite stressful mm. and it was making me quite anxious and I was mm. like, right, this is normal response. This is a yeah. normal response to a stressful situation. I, mm. If I wasn't feeling anxious, I'd be a psychopath. So yeah. that's absolutely normal. Like yeah. I'm glad, I'm grateful I feel like this because I know that I have a, fairly normal emotional range yeah it's when um i'm like you fretting over something that's completely impossible or, or spiraling or catastrophizing I'm like, right that's not a normal response to that trigger let's just recognize that sit with it for a bit and do something about it likewise with kind of you know you can if you've got depression you can have a great day you can have fun whilst you have depression yeah you can have a lovely time you can fall in love you can do all this stuff whilst you have depression 
it's mm. it's just a a version of your brain processing things um mm. and likewise you can be depressed and not have depression you can be really sad for a long time but not actually have depression and that's also super normal um yeah. i think we i don't know we're we trying to like we spend so much time like navel gazing and trying to like mm. figure out like oh i felt sad today am i have i got this or i i don't think yeah. and actually i think it's okay to like sit with how you feel for a bit and all right mm. to feel sad or happy or angry or whatever like that's absolutely yeah absolutely. Like, and like yeah. you said if you didn't feel any of that you're a psychopath and there's Literally, a problem you'd be a sociopath <laughs> if you didn't feel like that you'd, yeah there'd be something wrong with you definitely mm. definitely mm. yeah yeah so true so so true lucy we're at two hours i knew we I knew oh. that when we started chatting, I'd be like, two hours would go like that. I've when you said two hours, I'm like, oh, that's quite a long time. But actually, yeah, no, this, um, yeah, I could, I could do another I hour. I have that same thing for, and then I'm like, no, there's some people. So I would love to chat again, yeah. if for no other reason, so that we can stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's just do a podcast every now and again, so we can keep in touch. Yeah. Yeah, like every quarter, we can <laughs> talk about what's going on. And... Yeah. What, I love um, it. Just, just to just to wrap up and end. Where are you? Where, I'm saying just to wrap up and end. We could spend another two hours talking about this, but in a short version, where are you going? What's next? You know, you've tackled the medical profession around everything that we've talked about. Yeah, so I sorted out medicine. That's done. Yeah. How, um, how many days a week do you spend in Mazuma in the business? Oh, I do. I, do, I don't really keep track. Um, so again, pre-COVID, we officially like I was officially in work three days a week um yeah. but actually it's a lot looser now like yeah. um it's much more doing what's needed when it's needed really so it's a bit more kind of yeah. flexy in terms of that i have a board so we have monthly board meetings and i have departmental meetings with people because we're we're around kind of 35 to 40 people now so it, there's kind of more moving parts to kind of it's a big company right in yeah. terms of what you're dealing with yeah That's... and we've got thousands of clients across the uk so it's kind of like mm. making sure that my, I feel like my role now is making sure everyone knows what their job is and then and then hold mm. them accountable to it and making sure they hold themselves accountable. So it's much more about kind of directing than it is doing. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's kind of a bit more free, but then I get plenty of time to do stuff like walk the dog or, um, yeah. you, uh, you know, write a, book. Now, write a book, but do a bit more traveling. Um, there it is. I, I, I bought one as well, like, like Alan Partridge, like got my own. Oh, it's so awkward, isn't it? It's I have to, I have to say as well, I haven't, I haven't acknowledged you for like, I now know, so I have a book that is currently nearly ready to come out and I have a just, I have so much love and respect for people who have done it because now I've done it. I'm like, it's, it's such a process. Hard. It's such but a process. You end up with a book. It was a bit like you were saying, you know, oh, you know, a news article, but actually it's taken someone, you know, a year to do. It's yeah. the same with a book. It's like the amount of you, work that goes you into pour, a book. You pour your soul into yeah. it, no matter what you're writing. Yeah. Especially if something you're passionate about it. Yeah. You really, it is a writing a book is a process and you also if anyone is writing a book my biggest words of advice would be to just write write, don't just write every day it might be absolute Mm. shit but write something and you can just delete it if it's rubbish don't use it but you have to get into that habit of writing i'm a much better writer now than i was four years ago because i do it more um it's like anything you get better at it um also you know when you've had a good writing day because um, I sometimes go back and read stuff I've written like a year ago and I have no memory of writing it, none yeah. at all. I'm like, oh, that was brilliant. You're so reading remember, it going, this is quite this good. Is the really person good. wrote this is I like, like this. and you're like, I wrote oh, this. Oh, it's me. Cool. Yeah. Totally so that's, yeah. That. yeah. And that's, like, that's like when you're in the flow, like you're in the zone. But no, yeah. I am, um, 
so we've got the the company we've got we've got technology we're, we're um developing so that's ongoing now so we're kind of moving into that space yeah. we've got some pretty ambitious growth plans for next year so we're probably going to double in the next year which is kind of big yeah but we spent like two years laying that foundation so again we'll double in one year but it's literally been 15 years plus two years intense work to get to the place (laughs) where we can double in a year like I couldn't have done that in year year four it wouldn't have happened or we'd have gone bankrupt because we didn't have the infrastructure to do it so yeah that Mm. when you look at high growth companies who like who double in years there's a lot of foundation that goes into that. And a yeah, lot there's of... all the years before that that don't count as the doubling, but actually exactly. really a part of it. All the learning experience, the product development, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, so there's that. I want to get my, my little barn project creatively. I want to kind of sort that out because I think that would be great, a lot of fun. Mm. Um, yeah, I've set myself like a little goal. Like I'd love to be able to like walk up Penavan again if I can like get myself on a personal goal. Like No matter yeah. how long it takes me, if I can do that. Um, yeah. I think that's a big thing for me psychologically that's in terms it, of my yeah. health. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then just carry on doing it. Like I'm just kind of loving it at the moment. Just like I get to be creative. I get to spend time with people I love. I get to yeah. um, I get to go places and eat nice food and mm. yeah, it's that, mm. more of that. More of just more life books? stuff. Have you got another yeah. book in the plan? I do. Yeah. So this one is. Yeah. So this one's little sneak peek so this one is more about the experience of so i come from well, one of my things is i talk about um being a woman in business a lot and kind of especially in finance and technology in a very underrepresented space for women so i'm mm. writing about um I, and i think stuff we've touched on today some of the some of the um assumptions that are made about you in a certain demographic mm. um as I, you know, what you can and can't do, societal expectations, and deconstructing some of the things that get said about women in business. And let's mm. face it, only one percent of venture capital funding in the UK last year went to women, went to mm. female-led businesses. So we still got, for all the equalities we do have in business, we've still got a long way to go. Um, mm. And I think that we're missing out on talent. I think there's so many talented people out there that we're missing out on because we've got these structures that don't work for them. And we're not getting people like like the university structure and things like that. We're missing out on super talented people because we're forcing them down the route of going to university to take on a debt they don't need when we could have got them into a business doing something super cool with an apprenticeship instead and and a different route in. So it's kind of about that, really. I think it's about kind of um, looking at what exists, why it exists, and then deconstructing it a bit and going, well, what might be a better way of doing it and can we do it? So that's kind of working titles that's a really exciting it's a really exciting way of looking at it because one thing that comes up for me you know I'm a massive advocate of look anyone can do anything I'm not an advocate of you know equal outcomes I'm an advocate of equal opportunity and what you've just said there is really interesting because actually one of the things that Jordan Peterson talks about is like women smash it as solicitors lawyers whatever you want to call and then they get to 30 and they go why am I working so freaking hard? Mm. I don't want to do this. I want to have kids or I want to work differently or mm. I don't need, I'm not doing it for the money. The, and, and what you said was, it's like finding what structure doesn't work. And it's like living like that doesn't work. And his, the, the, the best thing that I heard him say was when he said, we need to not ask women why they're leaving. We need to ask why men are so nuts to stay in that environment. And, and, and yeah, like, exactly. It so, so these structures we have in place, yeah, yeah, these structures we have in place. And actually, they don't work for a lot of people. But we kind yeah. of, again, doing these things because we think we're supposed to do them. So <laughs> why are we doing it? Like, can yeah. we have can we have a structure that works differently? And 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 it's not just around kind of um, you, 
you just say like getting women to opportunities but it's about um there are plenty of other underrepresented groups so people with like neurodivergencies or, yeah. or neurodiverse people who the nine to five pattern is not appropriate for them but they're probably incredibly talented and good like yeah. absolutely do fantastic things why have we got this obsession with this like nine to five beige structure that only works it's for a very always. small group? Of, and then that's and then that's the thing that we judge whether you're successful or not by. So if you've managed to smash it in a nine to five structure and hit C-suite or whatever in that structure, we go, well done, you've mm. smashed it. Actually, if we had a more inclusive structure that would work differently for everybody, we'd see a lot mm. more people not just being successful, but I think feeling successful. I think there's a lot of people mm. to finish off. We're out of time, but um, yes, there's a lot of people who feel like they're not being successful because they're not hitting what we have called success. Actually, yeah. financial freedom. If we all that redefine kind of stuff. what that is, then yeah, hundred percent. If we redefine what that is, you mm. you'll you won't feel like you're you won't have FOMO or you feel like you're missing out. You'll feel successful in your own right, and surely mm. that's what that freedom is about. Mm. What a great note to end on. And I have to have you back now to talk more about all of that more stuff. More about next. Yeah, so much stuff. So much stuff. Awesome. Lucy, it's Thank been you so much for having me pleasure. on. It's been lush. You're welcome. And your journey, I think I think because because we knew each other then and it's like just, it's so inspiring to be alongside and see what the benefit of time and patience and persistence be. Mm. So I just Thank really you. want to acknowledge you for living that and doing that and showing up anyway and like you've been through you know just the thing with like your leg and the <laughs> blood clots and like that shit and you and you carried on right yeah you yeah, came out, yeah you came out with another book you did the stuff you kept going um it's just inspiring to hear your st story and your journey and like really know it this isn't you know for people listening I've known you for years yeah and it's it's that it's not a blowing smoke up your backside I can't believe it's story. been nearly two decades we've known each other that's frightening i know that's so frightening <laughs> like a reunion every decade oh or something <laughs> i think we look better than we did when we were younger though i think we're like i think we're doing it well i amen to that I yeah think i think really, we're doing it well you know, i think that, and i think that's the game like if people actually went actually what's possible if i take stuff on if i do the boring the results are sexy like look how, at us you just how we look better than we also, did also how depressing to think you peaked at 26 like that's depressing isn't it there's a lot of life yeah. after 26 i hated that was my peak yeah yeah absolutely and and the thing that i've always you know when people go oh i don't want to get older i'm like i love getting older i, oh, earn massive more money privilege. And I care less what people think massive like, privilege getting older, getting older. Cool. massive privilege to get older a lot of people don't get that chance yeah yeah absolutely all right that's amazing lucy well, we're gonna finish up here and we will definitely do this again soon thanks Thank for having for being me on. <laughs>